And now, introducing, give me a G, G, you've got your G, you've got your G, give me an L, L, you've got your L, you've got your L, give me an R, are you going to the mall today? That's what I was going to ask you. He's the spelling king of the tri-state area. He is Glenn Clark. <laughs> Good morning. It's Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Paul Valley. She's Papa Cass, and she's running the board today. Although Paul seems to be running the board right now. Um, I'm trying. Okay. Okay. Also, I have little arms, so I'm like... With the little... Trying to reach the board. You can reach the board, Cat. I'm just trying can, to ease her into things. You can reach the board, I promise. Yeah, you need to show our, our faces. That That is important, too. How do you think you're doing? How do, I, I'm asking you, how do you think you're doing? Like right now, first five seconds? Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm just going to positive. I'm going to keep positive vibes. You think you're doing well? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> We're going to see how it goes. Cass is going to run the board today and tomorrow. No, and Friday, sorry. Today and Friday, Cass is going to run the board. We're going to see where she is at the end of the week. And then there's going to be a test, so we can look forward to that. <laughs> Coming up on the program today, uh, our friend Randy Mueller, former uh, Dolphins and Saints GM, uh, is a regular with us. He's now with Heavy.com as well as um, some other media stuff that he does kind of caught me off guard is he said the Ravens should draft a quarterback perhaps as early as the second round this year we'll talk about the thought process there I think you guys can sort of do some of the math as to why he might say something like that we'll be discussing it with Randy Mueller here a little bit later on in the morning also later on in the morning our buddy Patrick Stevens will join us of course at discourse on Twitter USA Lacrosse Magazine Washington Post for Hoops we have national champions, Kansas defeating Carolina last night. We'll talk to him about that. We'll start to put um, next season into focus, how the roster will be constructed for Maryland basketball and um, you know all those types of things. We'll all do that with uh, Patrick Stevens a little bit later on this morning. And, of course, it's Tuesday, and every Tuesday we bring you Simply the Bets. Simply the Bets is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Every Tuesday morning, 11.40 a.m., we bring you Simply the Bets. Look forward to doing that. Our buddy Aaron Oster from Mountain Vegas at VEASAN is going to join us, as well as, of course, Bruce Billick, the general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. We will get you set for the week, including, of course, the Masters coming up this weekend. All that comes into focus this morning, 11.40 a.m., Simply the Bets, every week. I can tell you there is definitely a problem. Nobody grabbed the logs off the printer this morning. Nobody did that. I'm not sure if I'm going to put that on you or on Paul Cass, but that was an issue. And um, it's just something you got to do. Got to do every time you run the board. So I'm going to put it on you because you're running the board today. That's the way it's going to go. So, oh boy, it's a struggle. Struggle. The struggle bus. The struggle bus is real. I've never even. Okay, but I've never grabbed those, so. I'll give you a half a pass. All right, so thanks to everybody who came out last night and joined us in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. What a night we had. There's some celebrity appearances last night. Some former, uh, we, our, our buddy um, uh, Jim Chivers, Loyola basketball color analyst, making an appearance. Uh, former uh, Maryland football defensive stud 
Greg Harrell checked in. It was great to see everybody. Um, really could not have had a better time hanging out. What turned out to be obviously a tremendous game. Really had an outstanding night in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. If you missed us last night, and we had some great giveaways. What did we give out last night? We gave away an autographed Ryan Mountcastle jersey. We gave away an autographed Adafe Owe frame print, courtesy of Great Eights Memorabilia. I know there were a lot of happy folks who uh, picked up some wonderful prizes last night. On Sunday afternoon, we will be back in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel as I will be hanging out with you and Drew Forrester will be hanging out with you for the final round of the Masters. I'll be getting down there mid-afternoon, somewhere around 2, 2.30. Um, Drew will be joining us after he finishes up his show on 105.7 The Fan, Fairways and Greens. And we will have more tremendous giveaways. We are going to be giving away eight pairs, or eight, I guess pairs is the right word, free rounds of golf. Eight pairs of free rounds so you and a friend can go play a free round of golf eight of you will be winning two free rounds of golf i don't know how to say that the right way i'm struggling with that because i don't think you can use it for yourself to go play two rounds i think it's got to be you and a plus one playing together a free round of golf but I don't know that either, for what it's worth. I guess it's also possible that like you could just be selfish and play two rounds. And you know, if you don't have any friends, it's great news for you. Because I don't know. I genuinely don't know the answer to that question. But we're giving away free golf is the point. If you want to go play golf for free, I would encourage you to come hang out with us for the final round of the Masters on Sunday in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. I have no idea. This is not my area, so I will be learning from Drew Forrester, and whatever he says, I'll probably bet it. I had a mixed night last night. I was sky high because I bet Ochai Abaji to have the first basket of the game and made 30 bucks on a $5 bet right out of the chute. I was high-fiving. I was running around. I was doing the whole thing. I, like an idiot... I looked up, so John, uh, our most worshipful grandmaster here at Pressbox, John Colson was making fun of the fact that there was a tennis match on one of the TVs. He's like, it's championship night. Why are they playing tennis? I'm like, because tennis matters most, John Colson. And it was a Shelby Rogers match. He was playing Kaya Kanepi. And I looked up and said, I'll go bet on that right now. I knew Shelby Rogers was rolling. She's been playing great. Kaya Kanepi's like 1,000 years old now. No problem. And Shelby Rogers, in fact, so what I did is I parlayed Shelby Rogers and Carolina covering the four points. And as we know, of course, Carolina indeed covered the four points. It was hairy there at the end of the game. It required one of the worst turnovers in basketball history. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if Carolina had somehow hit a three at the end and won that game? I mean, it would have been Chris Weber calling timeout-ish. In fact, somehow worse than that, because when Weber called timeout, Michigan was still trailing. This was one of the worst turnovers in the history of the sport of basketball. But they got a cover out of it, so thumbs up. Shelby Rogers is cruising. She's up one set. She's up a break in the second set. She's kicking ass, taking names. I'm about to cash in big. I'm about to be a big winner. And all of a sudden, she lunges for a ball she had no business lunging for and rips up her knee. Ooh. Now, I am busy doing all the, you know, the conversating. I'm busy hosting the event in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino Hotel. Rodney Elliott and I are hanging out, 
high-fiving, we're making fun of each other, we're, you know, we're doing our shtick, right? So I'm not paying attention to the tennis match at this point because I'm watching the basketball game. And so I'm riding sky high. Carolina's up by 17. They're kicking ass. Shelby Rogers is kicking ass. I am cashing in big on this bet. This is a big winner for your boy. I'm thinking to myself, you know, maybe I'll get a new car, right? Like I'm thinking about all the ways I'm going to spend my whatever it would have been forty-seven dollars. Maybe a new Toyota Rav Four. Yeah, it could have been the big moment. Yeah, sure. From your local Toyota dealer or buyatoyota.com. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, I love sporty performance and aggressive styling. So that would have been a great way for me to spend my money because we've got the perfect Highlander for you. I guess I was doing Rav Four and then Highlander. You get the point. A Toyota. Yes, a beautiful Toyota vehicle is what I'm trying to say. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. The moral of the story is I'm already spending my money. Spent what you gonna do with all that all that uh, ass inside them jeans? I'm 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 spending all your money on me, spending time on me. I'm doing the whole thing. And all of a sudden, I look up and I'm like, why is that tennis match still on? That should have been over a while ago. She was she was cruising. This, this is and I'm like, maybe it's a replay. Maybe they're just going back and Showing highlights of Shelby Rogers destroying Kaya Kanepi. And uh, John Colson says to me, dude, I tried telling you like three times, but you were busy talking to everybody. She effed up her knee. She can't even hit the ball anymore. I'm like, you got to be, god damn it. So I got screwed on that one. I lost, I knew my parlay was dead. So I said, how do I chase this, right? How do I chase this? Remember Carolina, they're now, they've moved in front. I'm feeling good about it. So I said, I know what I'll do. I'll just go take the money that I won from uh, Abaji uh, hitting the first shot of the game, and I'll just throw it all on Carolina to win on the money line, and I'll come out net positive for the evening, right? Like, I, I'll come out net. It won't be a, a big win for me. I won't be able to get the, um, you know, like, I, I, I'll have to settle for the cream spinach on my steak. I won't be able to do the surf and turf, you know? Like, I'll, uh, it'll be all right, though. It'll be all right. It'll still be a pleasant evening for me. So I go back and I throw the money in and uh, yeah, then Carolina really s the bed, huh? You've been watching basketball for how long? And you didn't see that coming. Kansas just did it last week to Miami. Yeah, but Miami is not Carolina. I mean, like yeah. that doesn't like a couple things happen. It really did require you got to give Baycott all the credit in the world for what he did, but he was clearly not right. He was. Re- I mean, it, it, at one point he actually. Did it do it? Obviously, at the end of the game, he was done again, mm-hmm. as you saw how the ankle turned. Um, you could see he was in pain from moment one. Like he, even in in pregame warmups. In fact, in pregame warmups, I was like, maybe I'm going to change my mind about betting Carolina because he did not look right. He played incredibly well in the first half, but there was always going to be a limit to what he was going to be capable of doing, given what he was dealing with. So credit to him for for being. Like he was trying to write one of the greatest folk hero stories in the history of basketball, the way that he performed in the first half, given what he was dealing with. But there was going to be a limit to that because he was dealing with what he was dealing with. Brady Manning getting Manning. Brady Manning is apparently the the newest Manning brother. Brady Manning, who got busted in the face what eight times in the course of the first half, his face. Look like, um, you know, my face when I have a couple of drinks and all of a sudden decide I think it's smart to box with someone at a party. I mean, he was getting obliterated. He looked like he was in there for, for 12 rounds with Mike Tyson. He was getting knocked the hell out. 
Um, credit, again, all credit to Carolina for hanging in as long as they did, given all of the circumstances that they were dealing with. But they were up. I think when I made the bet, they were at up. They had started the run. They had started a run, and they were up like six. And I was like, I want to win some money, man. And so when they ballooned it out to 17, I'm, I'm high-fiving strangers. I'm like, oh, we are in them. We are good. Everything's coming up, Glenn. Not the case. I was uh, I finished runners runners up to the casino last night. I finished. It was uh, it was a silver medal performance. The casino got the gold. I got the silver. And you know what? That's the silver medal ain't bad. Second place ain't bad, man. If you're not winning, ain't you're bad. losing. I'm sorry. If you're not winning, you're losing. Well, it depends on how you look at it. That was a, what, it, what Reese Bobby said. Ah, hell, I don't even know what that means. I was high when I said that. <laughs> There's a lot of places you could finish. You could finish in fourth or in eighth or in 15th. Um, I finished in second last night, and that's okay. Runners up. I was runners up to the casino last night in my endeavors. These things happen, and it's mostly Shelby Rogers' fault for thinking she should dive after a ball that she had no need to hit because she was up a set and a break. Know the situation, Shelby. Seriously, I know we were all glued to that match last night, so I, I, I'm speaking on behalf of everyone, of course, when I say that. Know the situation. Don't do something stupid, which is what Shelby Rogers did. As far as uh, Kansas is concerned, look, you know, obviously, uh, tremendous second half. What a performance. You know, it, I think that, like, um, when, when performances are that balanced, they are more easily forgotten. I, I don't – I think we tend to remember spectacular – individual efforts you know like we'll remember Caleb Love scoring 28 points in the semifinals for some time I don't know who individually will most remember I guess McCormick because he hit the shot at the end that put him back ahead for good like we'll probably remember that a little bit but I feel like for the most part what we'll remember about Kansas's run to a national championship will be they were a balanced team. They were solid, but we never knew if they were spectacular, and they just kind of handled their business. They just kind of were the team that stayed there for the entirety of the season, stayed in the mix, remained competitive, were right there near the top. They were always in the conversation, but never the favorites until literally we got to the championship game. They were just sort of the team that had the opportunity to take advantage of how things broke for them, and they did so. And this is still a team that was trailing. You know, obviously we, we point out that like they were trailing by 17 last night. They were trailing at the half against Miami, and then they had a huge second half. They were by no means a perfect team or a flawless team, but they had a lot of good parts. McCormick and Braun, and obviously Abaji is the closest thing to a star they had um, and and Remy Martin. They were just a well-constructed team. And when they needed a balanced effort and when they needed everybody to kind of come to life and contribute, everyone really did. Like, everyone contributed for them last night. And I think when you listened to Kevin Willard a couple weeks ago talk about the type of roster that you have to build – in order to win an NCAA championship or to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, that was what he was talking about. Of course, it's easier to do that at a place like Kansas where you can just sort of pick off 
whatever players you want. And a Remy Martin who's having an outstanding career at Arizona State would be like, yeah, if you're going to take me, I'll dream of playing at a place like Kansas. It's, it's, of course, easier to do that. I'm not suggesting that you can just say, oh, we're Maryland. We can, we can go build Kansas's roster. It doesn't work that way. Um, but that's the type of roster that it sounded like he was talking about. Like, this is what you need. You need, you, you can't, you can have, you need to have the one guy that you can count on for a bucket. Nabaji was the guy that you can count on for a bucket. But you need to also surround him with more players like that. If it comes down to one guy, right? It felt like last night Carolina kept waiting for Caleb Love to come to life, right? Like, at some point, Caleb Love's going to come to life, right? And it just never happened. He just never, after his brilliant performance in the semifinals, he just never figured it out. What, he had one three all night? Like, he just never got going. And it was tentative, and he was tight, and all of those things down the stretch, the exact opposite of what you saw from him on Saturday. And when you're sitting around waiting for that one guy, and it's just not happening, you put yourself in a position where you can end up losing. It takes clearly nothing away from an amazing run for Carolina. My God, man. Eight seed that was pretty average for the majority of the season and got their brains beat in by just about every good team they played all season long, and then suddenly, at the end of the year, they play Duke and things just start clicking for them, and then they ride that through and they beat really good teams like Baylor and Duke again in order to make this run to the title game remarkable we'll talk to Patrick Stevens about it I think the question sort of becomes like what does the long-term ramification of this for Carolina is it more like when Bill Guthridge made that kind of random run to the final four as an eight seed or is it something that Hubert Davis can actually build off of as he establishes himself as the coach we've seen these situations before like we forget that Tubby Smith won a national championship at Kentucky sort of in the immediate aftermath of Rick Pitino. But the players that were still there, Tubby Smith won a national championship. Ask me where Tubby Smith is today. We saw Kevin Ollie do this at UConn in the immediate aftermath of Jim Calhoun and actually win the national title, of course, and then fail to be able to, to live up to that. He sort of had everything that was set by Jim Calhoun, took advantage. And I don't want to take anything away from Tubby Smith or Kevin Ollie because they, they both won national championships. They're deserving national championship coaches. But they weren't able to sustain that success. And I think that will be the question now moving forward for Hubert Davis is while he gets all the pressure off of him from a bad regular season by making a deep run, the question becomes, is it actually sustainable or was it just a deep run that will kind of be forgotten in three years if he hasn't backed it up and continued to be what they expect things to be at Carolina basketball. And there's no way for us to have that answer today, but, you know, that's, I think, what the discussion will be. I think that's about all that we can say from the national championship game. I think that's about it. We'll talk more about it with Patrick later on in the show. We're switching things around, by the way. Patrick normally joins us around 1045. He had to push back this morning, so we're going to chat with him in the 11 a.m. hour. And Randy Mueller will join us a bit before that. All right, when we come back in, i got a couple of things that I want to discuss with you guys unrelated to college basketball and the national championship game. Got a couple of... Um, I, we didn't really talk about Buster Olney yesterday, 
And so I want to get to that today, and I want to have a conversation about it. And I'm, we'll just, you know what? I'm going to tease it. We'll talk about it when we come back in. Buster Olney's, we'll put him in the crosshairs next. Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fandle Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the Fandle Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com radio. Watch at YouTube.com PressBoxOnline. Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy the award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings, or try our fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or our scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for daily specials every weekday, like $7.99 burgers on Mondays, $6.99 nachos on Thursdays, and Taco Tuesdays. And watch all of your favorite games at Glory Days Grill, with 25 screens and private speakers at every table, plus game day drink specials. Visit us at glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports. Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball. Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez. And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. That's the bat around live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. I've heard a lot of sorries today as Cass has attempted to run the board. It's not... we got to not encourage you. There's going to probably be we're a gonna, couple more. We're going to do better on Friday, right? Right. We're going to learn from this. And yeah, we're going to knock it out of the park on Friday. And error. 
right. she she's she's doing all right. The log thing was my fault. The printer the printer's uh, in a different you place. Know, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to look at him trying to white knight you right yeah, now. Look at you. look at Paul trying to be the hero. The, the, it was, the log was my fault. I know I, to get I, the log. All right. All right. I know we're to get all, the We're all right. Today's show also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. If you're not playing underdog, you are a crazy person. Underdog is offering you the opportunity to feel like you can bet right on your phone or on your computer, which, as you know, here in the state of Maryland, you still can't legally do. So what I'd encourage you to do is download the Underdog app or go to underdogfantasy.com. Make your first deposit up to $100, and if you use the code PRESSBOX, we will give you $100 worth of free money for you to play with, or up to $100. We'll match that first deposit. So if you deposit $40, we'll give you $40. Deposit $75, we'll give you $75. You know the drill. You understand the way things work. And as I said, you you can't bet, but you can feel like you're betting because you can play player props and parlays and things along those lines. It feels like betting with Underdog Fantasy Football, underdogfantasy.com. All right, so I didn't get a chance to chat about it yesterday. And you guys, of course, did a wonderful job of getting furious about it. I did not get nearly as worked up about it. Over the weekend, Buster only tweeted out the following. The Orioles' 2022 projected payroll is another example that nothing has been done to curb tanking. The only way this issue can be dealt with in the next CBA is if Major League Baseball and the union can repair together. Engagement required because this is a joke. Now, we have um, sort of been used to this, national baseball writers getting angry about the Orioles and how much money they spend. And we have decided kind of collectively as a fan base to jump up on our horses and, and, and play the role of White Knight. And write in and say, how dare you for the last couple of years? And and somewhere between there and what it is that Buster Olney said is something more relevant. Because what we don't like doing whenever a tweet like this comes out is acknowledging the amount of truth that's involved in it. Right? We just don't like doing that. Because what we hear is direct shot at the Orioles. And so typically, the Orioles fans that follow up say, oh, what about the Pirates? What about the Athletics? Things along those lines. Distract. Instead of actually dealing with the, the issue at hand, you run sort of distraction techniques. You wag the dog a little bit, right? And like, hey, we're not the only team that doesn't spend money. Why are you always coming after the Orioles? Why are you always picking on me? That's not germane to the point. It's another conversation we can have, but it's not germane to the point. The point being that Buster Olney's trying to say, look, this didn't fix tanking. The idea was that this CBA was supposed to fix tanking, and there's literal proof that it didn't. Now, the first response to that would be, of course, if you wanted to have an intelligent conversation about the subject, the first conversation point would be, right, it wasn't going to fix it this year. I don't know if you heard, they just agreed to the CBA three weeks ago. You can't completely and utterly change all practices in baseball in three weeks. And so if you wanted to call Buster only out, that would be where to start. Not with throwing out some other team's payroll, but to say, Buster, are you, are you kidding? Like, did did you really think that this was going to change in the span of three weeks that all of a sudden, ah, 
well, we had a $30 million payroll, but now we're just going to purposely give out $60 million worth of dollars in order to get to this number that you want us to get to. And I tell you what, we'll just give it away to bad players because we have to give away some money to make it feel like we're not tanking, right? That would be the more appropriate way to address the actual comments that Buster Olney is making, is to say, hey, man, you're not stupid. And he's not. You can't possibly believe that tanking was going to end within three weeks of when this CBA came together. The idea of the CBA, as we know, is to create kind of a a bit of an off-ramp, right? That we're going to give you a couple years to get this figured out. The one thing that I said every time we had a conversation with someone around the game there is, there is always this, like, but if we say you don't do something, then we stop doing it. Like, I wish I remember who we had on that was like, it might have even been Nightingale, who had said something like, the idea is that they're going to make it clear that it's no longer okay to tank. That it, even if it's not a defined rule, because how can you just define that? The new CBA will make it clear it's no longer acceptable. It's no longer a a philosophy that owners can just have. But this is like what I said about sign stealing all those years ago. You've got to make it so that people can't. Physically make it impossible. If you allow technology to be accessed during the course of the game and your answer is, hey, but you guys definitely won't use it to steal steins, right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You're not actually banning sign stealing. You're asking politely. Please don't do something that would give you a huge advantage. It was like having no rules against steroids and just hoping that baseball players would choose not to use steroids. Hey, you guys won't do that, right? Yes, it'll give you a huge advantage, but hey, we said you shouldn't, so you guys won't, right? 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 You guys wouldn't do that, would you? Not you guys. You'd never do that. This will not be eliminated simply because some people within the game don't want it to exist. The only way to eliminate it is to somehow define ways to be penalized for it. You know what would eliminate tanking? Saying if your team finishes with fewer than 50 wins in three consecutive seasons, you have to sell the team. You're no longer able to profit from it. Guess what would happen? You wouldn't have teams lose 50 consecutive games, or uh, lose, win fewer than 50. God, what has happened to me? Win fewer than 50 games for three consecutive seasons. They would be hellbent to make sure that didn't happen. Now then you run the problem of like everybody's trying to compete and somebody's got to lose a game, right? Like not everybody can win all the games. You have to do something dramatic. I think that it will be fewer and further between that we will see teams take the five-year approach of tanking. I think this CBA will go a long way to doing that via the draft pick penalties. There is no inherent advantage. But as we pointed out, the problem with tanking is that sometimes teams aren't doing it for a purpose. I don't really know what the Marlins strategy is right now. I don't know what they're doing. 
I don't know what they want to be as a baseball team. And people down there would say, all they want to be is cheap. They just want to be a team that has a regional sports network that they can sell money to because when people are in South Florida, they'll watch the games. They'll be able to sell advertising. Enough people will go to the games that they can turn a bit of a profit, and as long as they're turning a bit of a profit, they don't give a rat's ass about anything else. Sometimes tanking isn't for a purpose. And yes, one of the things that we always scream about when we see a tweet like this from Buster Oney is, well, the Orioles are tanking for a purpose. Well, we hope they are. We hope they are. We don't know that, but we hope they are. Like to believe that that's where this is going. Like to believe that they're following a blueprint and they can make this work. It's an important season for figuring that out. The truth is somewhere in between. The truth is tanking probably won't be eliminated from baseball. To Buster's point, the only way this issue can be dealt with in the next CBA is if the MLB and the union can repair together. I don't think... I, I. I don't know what that means. I really don't. I don't know what that means. I don't know what he thinks the two sides are going to do in order to get rid of tanking. A salary floor would get rid of tanking. I, you, and the players' you, union brought that to the table back in August, you, and I guess the owners weren't having because we didn't really hear much about you it after s- that. You say that a salary floor would get rid of tanking, but... Um, there is the flip side argument, which is that in the NFL, there are bad organizations that just have to give bad money to bad players Mm -hmm. because they have to meet a threshold for salary. And the Jacksonville Jaguars have not been able to figure out a way to sustain success because they're forced to give away certain amounts of money. And there's only so many players that are willing to take their money in order to come be in Jacksonville. And we all make fun of how they're spending their money this offseason and just giving away massive sums of money to players that aren't particularly good. But they have to spend it because they have to meet a salary floor. So... Does anybody think the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't going to be really bad next season? They're going to be really bad, but they'll be really bad spending money. So I, I I, think that we all like the concept of a salary floor. I think that it it seems like the type of thing you because you want the teams to spend the money, but there's still going to be bad teams when there's a salary floor. Does it make it so that there's fewer embarrassing teams, that there's more major league caliber players that are playing in all games? You know, yeah, like you're probably more inclined to have, you know, I say that, I would say you're probably more inclined to have like a full pitching staff. That's, I think if you look mm-hmm. at the, the embarrassing part of the Orioles right now, of course, is the pitching staff, right? Like that's the embarrassing part. That's the part that's not e- even arguable at the major league level. They have two major league pitchers and one's kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge major league pitcher in Jordan Lyles who like is a qualified, but he's a qualified number five guy in a rotation, yeah. right? Um, would that make the Orioles more inclined to sign two more Jordan Lyles? Like, would that be, if there was a salary floor, they say to themselves, we got to get the $55 million, we sign two more pitchers that aren't really good, but are major league pitchers, and that gets us there. Does it change who they are as a franchise? Does it change their chances in the American League East? No. But they could do it in order to appease everyone and and say there's a salary floor. 
I'm not opposed to the salary floor. I'm not opposed to a salary cap. I'm not opposed to any of these things. I think they're better overall for the the big picture health of a sport. I think it does create more fair competition, right? But as you point out, Paul, the owners are not interested in either one of these things. Mm-hmm. The, the the wealthy owners don't want to have a cap on how much money they can spend. Scott Boris certainly doesn't want to have a cap on how much the wealthy teams can spend. The 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 small market owners don't want to have a salary cap floor. And this is part of the issue with baseball because so much of the money is related to the market, right? This is we all want something to reflect the NFL. The NFL has somewhat neutralized market size by doing utter revenue sharing and getting these wealthy baseball owners in the biggest markets to sign up for more revenue sharing is not something they're going to agree to. They're furious. They have to pay the luxury taxes they have to pay. It they're incensed about it. I've seen what's the, what's the guy in Boston? John Henry is that his name in Boston? I've seen that man's boat. I happened to be out in Boston one day, and I was going on a I was getting on a schooner, right? I was uh, I was going to spend my day on a little uh, little sailboat cruise. Me and my buddy John, we had a nice romantic day out on the water in Boston. And I'm looking over. I'm like, what? It's I thought I was looking at a Russian oligarch's yacht. I'm like, what the hell is this? And so my buddy John looks it up, and it turns out it's John Henry's boat. It is a floating city. I've never seen anything like it. He ain't signing up to give his money to John Angelos. John Angelos? John Angelos. He's not doing that. That ain't happening. So now what? So now what do we do? We yell and we ball our fists and we say, how dare you? What do we do? How do we fix the problem? Well, and I think that that's what people are upset about is that a busters coming at the Orioles and not giving a, a, a proposal of what they should do. And he also wrote an article in 2015 saying that the Reds and A should follow the Astros blueprint. And now he's condemning the Orioles for following. Oh, we're, we're doing this. We're, we're going back and digging up articles in 2015. Somebody else, somebody else dug it up. I didn't say it was you. I'm just and, saying we, and then when somebody brings up the eight brings the A's to his attention, he says, yeah, but the A's haven't lost a hundred games in 32 years. Well, doesn't that make it worse because they were a competitive team with good players and they got rid of them all to take. Look, I, I absolutely, if I was in Oakland would be furious about this, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would be, furious about how it is the A's do their business. Obviously, it does not impact me in any way, right? right? If I was in Oakland, I would be beside myself about a team just wanting to get rid of all of their good players and 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 be a poverty franchise for the sake of being a poverty franchise, having the smallest payroll that you can have because you're convinced that you can figure out a way to turn that into profit, right? If we keep the expenses low, then we can make enough, and all that matters at the end of the day is that we're making a profit, right? I'd be furious about that. They clearly have some other problems in relation to the stadium. There are other things going on with the Oakland Athletics that I can't speak to, and not my concern. But as I keep going back to, that's... That's we're just dis- we're distracting. We can't pretend like the Orioles are trying. We can't pretend like they aren't still in tanking mode. He is correct that the Orioles are still tanking. They're not trying to win. That's not incorrect. That's not inaccurate. That's 100% true. They're not the only one. And yes, we hope there is a, a rainbow coming after these storms. We hope that's the case. And we know what the thought process has been. 
There are some of us that are probably a bit too convinced that it's definitely going to work out. I have never been that convinced that it's definitely going to work out. I hope that it works out. We'll see. But the greater point about tanking is true. Tanking wasn't eliminated. But it wasn't going to be eliminated in three weeks. It was going to take a more prolonged period of time for tanking to be done with. And I don't know if the things they did will completely get rid of it. It might force teams to speed up their processes a little bit. And that's probably a good thing. But I don't think it'll get rid of the concept of saying, hey, if we're not going to be good, it makes no sense for us to try to win 80 games. Not in the first year. Maybe in year three. And this is what we always go back to. The one thing you can't defend is it makes no sense to pursue being 500. If you're not going to compete, you'll always be better off losing. But the idea of the draft pick compensation or the the draft lottery that they're now going to introduce in baseball is that after the first couple of years, there will no longer be a reward. And so hopefully what it'll mean is that teams won't stay in their tanking period for more than a couple of seasons. After that point, they'll have to move on. We'll find that out. That'll be learned in the coming years. Let's switch gears. One of our favorite people, former general manager of the uh, Saints and the Dolphins, is Randy Mueller, and he's among his many media things that he's doing. He's working with Heavy.com, and I was a little caught off guard, but I, I understand the concept, and we'll talk more about it. As he said, look, the Ravens should be thinking about drafting a quarterback. And perhaps as early as like the second round of this draft. Let's discuss it now with uh, one of the people we like the most around here. He is, of course, the aforementioned Randy Mueller. And he's with us now on Glenn Clark Radio. Randy, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you as always, sir. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Randy, sorry about that. Everything all right? How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me back on. It's great to hear from you. So... The Baltimore Ravens should think about drafting a quarterback. I know the answer, but I'm going to let you explain it again. Why? Well, here's my thinking, and and let me just say this. Nobody's trying to replace Lamar Jackson. That's not the idea. That's not the the theory in what I'm talking about. I just know this. Having sat in the GM chair for many years, I made my worst deals. I think most GMs would concur with their own plights when you don't have options when you have to make a deal for X amount of dollars that you're nervous about making. I just think the league, that team building, that taking care of your own team is best served when you have options. So my thought was that if they can find a way to have a consensus in their own building on an option at quarterback, and again, I'm not talking about taking one early, but round two or three may just be the right time this year to take one. I think it makes some sense to them. I think it gives them some, some leeway hey nobody can force Lamar to sign a contract if he is not willing to like what we hear and read that he's not ready to do that you've just got to look out for your own franchise and I think this does that it just gives you an option one might help you in negotiating but two it's just going to help your team move forward a little bit with an option that doesn't exist currently 
I feel like we're in this weird place, Randy, where like that to me is the most important answer here. Is it really if if it really is that Lamar Jackson is hell bent on doing the two years of franchise tags and into free agency thing, then I'm probably with you, right? Like you you can't allow him to hold up your entire organization in the process. If if for whatever weird reason, like there's there's another report that came out last week from Mike Florio that was like, no, he's he just wants to wait until next year, which I don't understand at all. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. But if that's the case, then I don't you know I don't think you use a draft pick on a position where you're getting somebody that's not going to play. I think it's too early to go that route. But I do think this really has to come down to: Do the Ravens have a true answer, a true feeling? as to whether or not Lamar Jackson is willing to sign before we get to this seven-year place in the two franchise tags. I hear you. I think we're kind of drinking the same Kool-Aid, but at the same time, I just can't let uh, his wishes control the rest of our team and what we're doing. So um, I can appreciate that. I think timing is everything. I don't think the Ravens can risk a decision from him not coming until a year out. Plus, the other thing is, I just think, at some point, the Ravens need to advance beyond where they're at right now. And I don't know how that works, but it either means they have to get better play at quarterback from the pocket or they have to build out the rest of the team better around Lamar. That decision has been staring them in the face for two or three years now, and it just seems like they're stuck in neutral. So they've got to do something one way or another, and I've always been one to be a little bit proactive. I think the investment you make in another quarterback – He's given you a window to do that right now. You don't even have to explain yourself. It's not a slight against him at all. You're just covering yourself. And I think the investment you make in another quarterback, let's just say it's in round two or three, it's always going to be there if you pick the right guy to redeem the compensation. If you have two guys, that's never a problem, and you can always move somebody at the end of the day, whether it's next year or the year after. I just don't like the idea of teams being dictated to, and I think there's a way to to at least – figure out an end to it if you give yourself some options. Okay, so I, I hear everything you're saying, but at the end of the day, it doesn't ultimately Lamar Jackson still have all of the leverage, Randy? Like this is, And this is the part that's kind of puzzling to me as to what it is that Lamar Jackson is trying to do. The argument about trying to get the free agency, right, this is when you can capitalize the most. We just watched Deshaun Watson, who was not a free agent, um, get a fully guaranteed contract because teams are desperate for quarterbacks and there's always another team that's out there that's willing to give you a contract. So I I have no idea why you're waiting that long and trading off not getting more money right now. Like, why choose to play for $24 million bucks this year when you can demand more money now and we see how the quarterback position is going? You're going to be able to demand more money in three years if, if contracts have shifted that much at that point. I, I still just feel like at the end of the day, the fear of not having a quarterback, even saying, hey, we like this guy, we're going to draft him, you don't know if you got Sam Darnold. I just feel like the, the fear of not having a quarterback will continue to drive the leverage towards the Lamar Jacksons, the guys that we do identify as being top-tier NFL quarterbacks eternally. Well, I think it's, it's all valid. I totally agree with you. And, again, I'm not trying to replace him, but I am trying to give us an option or a fallback that might give us a little shot in the arm as a pocket passer as well, that's all. I just think at some point, if if Lamar chooses this route, it's going to be Kirk Cousins reincarnated. I don't know that Lamar is a top-five quarterback in the league, but he is in the eyes of the Ravens and what they want to do. So therein lies the rub. Do you pay this guy at 45 to $50 million a year, or do you give yourself options like other teams have done recently 
where they're moving people to to relieve cap pressure and build out their team in how they want it's it's a tough question, and, and that's why GMs are, are in the chairs they're in now. You just can't make everybody happy. You've got to make some tough calls, and we'll see how Eric handles this. I've, I've, I've had a lot of respect for him over the years. I think he'll do the right thing, but it would be hard for me to just sit on my hands and let this thing play out without giving – uh, some protection to the rest of my organization. So I feel like, and I, you know, it's it's funny. I guess uh, by the way, we're chatting with Randy Mueller. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. I guess our, our Rolodex is uh, is a lot of uh, Dolphins GMs because we had Tannenbaum on last week, and I I ran this by him and I said, you know, at what point do you start thinking about a trade? And his response was, you don't. Um, you let it play out and you go try to win a Super Bowl because you got Lamar Jackson and. You, you sort of identify, we watched what the Rams, what the Buccaneers have done in recent years and sort of just saying, look, we're all in for right now. And you go that route with Lamar Jackson over these next few years and you say, we're going to use these years to try to win a Super Bowl. And if we do, we do. If we don't, we don't. Are, would you at some point, again, if Lamar Jackson really is playing the game of I want to go two franchise tags and I want to get the true free agency is there a point at which you would say, no, we absolutely must consider making a trade? We must consider what it is that we could get for this asset? Yes, I agree 100%. I agree with what Mike said. I wouldn't look to trade him now. That's not the point of my you know, mm-hmm. thinking. I just think at some point, yes, you draw the line. You see teams do it around the league now. We saw it in Kansas City with Tyreek Hill. They drew a line. Eventually, they crossed it with their negotiating and just said, we're better off going a different direction. Same with Devontae Adams in, in Green Bay. Now, I know those are non-quarterbacks and a different deal, but there's a price that everybody chokes on. And if it means the, the, at the detriment of the rest of your team, great. But right now, the last time I checked, the Ravens haven't got to where everybody wants to get yet. I understand the love for Lamar. I, I think he's a really good player, too. But they've got to get over the hump at some point, and, and they've been all in the last few years. If you're not all in and haven't been all in, you're doing everybody a disservice. So I don't think that's a change of heart to go all in. They've been all in. I understand. I, I guess it's 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 more the idea that you just say, "Hey, we'll worry about we'll worry about this. When we need to worry about it, right? We're just not going to think about um, you know the assets expiring. We will we will be singularly focused on one goal, and that's the goal of winning right now." Let, let, let me go the other way. Steve Bashotti at the owners' meetings last week was asked about the Deshaun Watson situation and said, "I don't think that's necessarily a game that we have to play." Um, is is he right that that this could be somehow an anomaly among quarterback contracts, or is this just reality now? Like, there's just nothing that teams are going to be able to do about it. Once one player got a fully guaranteed contract, the next guy that's up is going to demand that because there's always going to be a team that's willing to give it to him because there's always I, – I keep coming back to it. There's always a quarterback desperate team that we can say, hey, the Browns were desperate, sure, but why wouldn't the Panthers be desperate right now? Why wouldn't the Falcons be desperate? Why wouldn't – it just seems to me like there's always a quarterback desperate team and it feels like that's going to drive this to be the standard moving forward. Well, I think it's a little different in Deshaun's case because for all intent purposes, he was a free agent. I don't think you'll see another one like this where he's actually free and can make choices. And that's why the Browns did what they did. They did it for the reason of having to commit to get him on board to acquire the player. These other teams that end up signing their players, it's going to cost them um, capital, no doubt. It's going to cost them some in guarantees, but I don't think you'll have to commit to a fully guaranteed deal. 
um, again, it, but it's all about options. If you have no options, it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it how it plays out. I know owners are ticked about the the Cleveland deal, no doubt about it. I know GMs are ticked about it as well. Time will tell. I know that everybody's going to try to get it, but look at the other side of it too. If I'm an agent representing Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, who's next up mm-hmm. at some point, if I don't get a fully guaranteed deal, I'm probably getting fired too. So I'm not sure it's right for either side, to be honest with you. I mean, but this, like, that's the weird part. It's, and I just feel like the first owner that tries to say, "Look, we're not, we're back, and we are, we are not doing this. We are backing off." Then that player just walks in and says, "Okay, well they wouldn't do that in Washington, right? Like, so you can go ahead and move me to Washington right now." And I just don't, I don't know what the recourse is. I feel like we're trending more towards what we've seen when it comes to quarterbacks, right, Randy? Yeah. I think we're trending towards what we've seen in the NBA, which is all if you're one of the top twenty players, you have the right to print money every year to decide where you want to be and at what price based on where the cap goes. Just because you have that type of leverage, these teams have to have those players, or they have nobody coming out to their games. Well, and it's definitely made it. It's made it harder for clubs. There's no doubt, and that's why they're they're ticked about it. It's made it harder for them to say no. The guarantee rules now, where you have to fund the guarantees in an escrow account, are a giant deal for a lot of the lower cash teams. And it's funny, both Cincinnati and, and the Chargers are have been lower cash teams. I mean, the fact that the Browns at some point are going to have to write a check for $180 million here soon just to fund the Deshaun Watson deal, that's got owners ticked around the huh? league as well. As we know, that those those dynamics aren't easy for everybody to do. So time will tell. It's a, it's a fascinating topic that we've never had to deal with in the NFL before, and you might be right. We might be trending toward an NBA-type setup. All right, and you've got a name in mind for what the if, – if the Ravens are thinking about drafting a quarterback – You've got a name in mind, and it's not one of the top guys, but it's somebody that, that's kind of appealing to you. Tell me a little bit about Bailey Zappi. Well, I think for my money, and, and I try to watch all these guys on tape before I even say anything about him, I'm just not enamored with any of the top guys beyond Kenny Pickett. I think he's more ready for the NFL. The other guys, to me, are all projects. Um, I find that a guy like Bailey Zappi, who is accurate, he operates from the pocket, he's athletic enough, he makes all the throws and processes coverage. I just think he's a good prospect going forward, and I think he will succeed. I, I said in my column that if he was two inches taller, he'd be talked about in the same breath as, as uh, Kenny Pickett because of the accuracy and everything else. So I like him. Um, again, everybody chooses something different. It's, it's just my opinion. So I guess that's why Baskin-Robbins has 31 flavors, sure. right? We all get our favorites. But, but I like Zappi, and I think he'd be a good setup for anybody. And it would not shock me if someone picked him toward the end of the first round or top of the second. Right, before I let you go, Randy, the, the name that's sort of out there that, that might be available is DK Metcalf, the Seahawks wide receiver. And I, I, I would think if the Seahawks are planning to draft a quarterback, they would want to have wide receivers for their quarterback to throw to. But – there's a price. Is DK Metcalf the type of guy to you that at, at his age is is worth paying a, a big price for? I mean, we think about what the Tyree Kill trade was. It was a late first round pick and a second round pick. It you know, it was a lot as as far as the overall haul, but the top heavy stuff was not overwhelming. Is DK Metcalf someone that if you're a team like the Ravens, and even though you, you kinda like the guys you have you say, man, if this guy really might be available, it that's the type of talent that maybe you do some crazy things for because you're getting a wild talent at a very young point in his career. Um, 
he is not for me. I'll be honest with okay. you. I live in Seattle, and uh, I live in Seattle, so I've seen a lot of DK over the last couple of years. Um, I don't think he's polished. I don't think he's a number one guy per se yet. I think he's a developing receiver, but he's not in the category of some of these other guys we're talking about. That's just my opinion. So, no, I would not mortgage the farm for somebody like him. Um, I'm just shocked at the dialogue of every time a receiver now is looking for a new deal that he's got to be traded or, or they have to commit to $30 million a year. There's no happy medium anymore. So I, I'm not the biggest DK guy. I think you know, he's he's a nice piece, but I just don't see him as a frontline receiver now. There's a lot of inconsistencies in his play, including hands, including route running, just a lot of up and downs for me to commit that kind of money or compensation that you'd have to give to get him. All right, Randy Mueller, in your media empire, what can I <laughs> what can I plug for you of the many, many things that you're doing these days? Hey, I'm just trying to stay busy. I I love to watch tape and, and fortunately for me a lot of people want to talk about uh, what you see on film. So that's kind of the basis. I do a podcast on The Athletic. comes out every Saturday morning called The Football GM. It's part of their the football uh, podcast show on The Athletic. Um, and, and that's really what takes me into the film room more than anything else. You mentioned the heavy stuff that I'm doing a little writing for, and we do a lot of Facebook Live shows for heavy, and that's been a lot of fun. So uh, those are the main places. And, and I mess around on Twitter a little bit, but uh, I'm I'm not I'm far from an expert on any of it. Oh, no, you uh, you certainly bring uh, a lot of uh, knowledge and information that we couldn't get elsewhere. At Randy Mueller underscore is how you follow him, and MuellerFootball.com is his website. Randy Mueller, always appreciate taking the time for us. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, as always. Appreciate it. Anytime. Randy Mueller, former general manager of the Miami Dolphins and New Orleans Saints, checking in with us here on GCR. Appreciate him taking a couple of minutes. Just a couple of thoughts in response to that. Um, I am – my answer would be no. I'm not spending an early asset in the draft on a quarterback unless I know for sure that I'm moving on from mine. I just don't – I don't do that. Um, now this goes back to what I said when the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson. Like if, if you're doing this, just play him. Like don't mess around. Just make him your quarterback. I these early round picks to me are too important for a franchise to be using them on someone who's not playing. And the second round is not as drastic as the first round. Like I'll give you that, but I I still can't do it. I can't used an early, early pick on a player that I don't believe is an almost immediate guy for me. So I understand the theory of what he's talking about with drafting a quarterback. Like, you got to give yourself a plan here. But it ain't moving on from Lamar Jack. I mean, like, I, when we keep coming back to, like, maybe he can do something different, maybe he's got a different skill set, That's that's that I, that conversation is dead to me. Like, you can't go anywhere with that to me. Lamar Jackson is your quarterback. There's no one usurping that. Lamar Jackson's not – this is not a Robert Griffin the third thing where he's going to fall off and, and it's not sustainable. We're, we're pretending like four games from last year outweighs literally the four games that we saw before that. Like that conversation is that's 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 dead end. That goes nowhere with me. That's a non. It's it's insane. The backup plan conversation. The you can't let Lamar Jackson hold you hostage. To me is relevant, but I'm not sure what that looks like exactly. 
to me, it's more of a, Lamar, we got to know. If if you're not going to sign, we got to trade you. Now, Randy Mueller, Mike Tannenbaum, they say, no, 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 you don't. You can spend the next few years trying to win with Lamar. And I get that to an extent. But my backup plan to someone holding me hostage isn't drafting another quarterback and letting the guy play. My backup plan is, if I can't sign the guy, let's go get a King's Ransom for him, and we'll do our damnedest to try to find a quarterback. The danger there is that you don't find one. It's not desirable. I don't want that. But I do think it's relevant to say you can't let anyone hold you hostage over a decision. And if the answer really is that he's telling you straight up, I won't sign, I'm going to free agency. At least you know, and you can make plans around that. If he's just not telling you anything, if it's, you know, maybe I'll sign, that's what the, the, the Florio thing is so weird. He just doesn't want to think about it right now. He'll deal with it next year. Dude, I need an answer. Like, we've got plans we got to make. Are you going to sign next year? Or, like, are we good? Do we have the numbers in play? And you just, for whatever, like, it's a weird bit. It will eternally be a weird bit. As I said a million times, you can't make it make sense. It's not me taking a shot at Lamar Jackson. We just can't pretend like it's sensical. It's his right. He can do whatever he wants to do. But the idea that he's simply saying, I don't want to do it right now. I'll talk to you next year. You can't make that make sense. And it, it kind of gives credence to what Bashotti said, that maybe he wants to go out and win a Super Bowl to prove that but, he deserves but, it. But that's just, it's illogical, right? Like, yeah. I, it might both be illogical and true. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm totally willing to buy that, that it could both be illogical and true, but it's both of those things. Like, just because it's true can't make it not be illogical. There's plenty of illogical things that happen that are also true constantly. Um, I, I, there's no getting around that. And if it's... If they're confident that Lamar Jackson will sign next year, then no problem, right? Like, oh, but they they get the benefit of it. They get to pay him less money this year before he signs next year. Like, they kind of win in that situation, so that works for the Ravens. But they got to be confident of it. They need to they need to be able to make some plans as an organization. They need to be able to know, hey, what's our path? What's our direction? The answer to me will not involve using an early round pick on a quarter. You just you can't. That's, those assets are too important. I can't do that. But, you know, the general idea of not allowing a player to hold you hostage, I'm in support of that. I think that's smart. All right, we're into hour number two of today's show. It is also brought to you by Glory Days Grill. You missed out on the St. Patrick's Day menu, but. You got this weekend, Thursday through Sunday, to stop in and celebrate the return of baseball by enjoying the Danker Dog, a delicious loaded chili dog and fries for only $8.99. Catch all the action the first weekend of baseball season at Glory Days Grill, where there's always great food and good sports. When we come back in, uh, we'll get Cass's top five, and then Patrick Stevens will join us. We will put some finishing thoughts on uh, the title game, talk a little across all those things. That's all coming up. It's Glenn Clark Radio. 
Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. And Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Oh, thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Damn. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right. Back in here on GCR as we're into our number two of the program. Today's show also brought to you by the Stan the Fan Variety Hour, which was back last night, an emotional conversation that Stan and Ross had with Jim Poole, the former Orioles reliever, about his battle with ALS and 
Uh, it was real. It was raw. It was honest. If you missed it, I would encourage you to go to facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video, and you can see it there. All right, it's that time. Cass is top five. We do it every Tuesday. And this week we're going to do top five things she's learned so far that she's going to do better when she runs the board for Friday's show. Correct? That's the top five for this week? Yeah, that was the one. Uh, right, slide that microphone closer to you. Instead. It might be yeah. more like top 10, maybe top <laughs> hey, 20. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna improve. We'll, we'll be better. All right, what's your, uh, what is your category for top five this week? Okay, so this weekend I stayed in like heavily, and I think I like went to bed at 4 and was watching my comfort movies or like my show, like the things that like bring me comfort. Like okay. they're not all movies. There's some of them are TV. Is everything shows, all right? So. Is everything <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah. A little nervous. No, 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 no. All right. Everything's great. Okay. It's just I, like, that, you know what I'm by saying? the way, that wasn't exactly <laughs> everything's great. No, the eye roll. Great. Yeah, right. Come on, you don't have a comfort movie. What's your like one comfort? I have plenty movie? of things like this. I have plenty of things along exactly. these lines. Like you just watch it and you can watch it eight thousand. You times. know, it's funny. I, I say that I don't really. I am so interested in just watching something I've never seen before any longer. Like, this is more my... My wife has 20 movies, and that's what she watches at mm-hmm. any time. Like, she goes through. She doesn't like anything that's on TV. She just puts on Shawshank Redemption. I'm like, are we really doing this? Like, again? It's the way that she operates. It's just, we'll watch Remember the Titans one more time. It's just like if I get anxious or like something like that. These are movies All that right. bring me comfort. All right. Okay. So, starting at number five, um, I have The Ugly Truth. I don't. I have no idea what this is. What no. is the ugly truth? It's pretty much. It's I enjoy it. so funny. What is it? Gerard Butler and um, what's the, what's the woman's name? Oh, Catherine, Catherine Heigl. Heigl. I was gonna say the woman that everybody hates now, because um, she's tough to work with. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, it's a rom com, mm-hmm. and they work in television, and he is. She runs a new show. Like she's like a producer of it. Okay. And right. he's a segment on the show, a new one. It's called The Ugly Truth. And he pretty much disses on women and like kind of is like this like total a-hole about everything and, and kind of just like talks about how like their love isn't real in a sense and they hate each other, but then they like like each other um, and they end up falling in love and it's just like no really way. cute. <laughs> well, it sounds well. It sounds terrible, but <laughs> no, it's just the humor in it. I like his. Humor. I definitely I like, had. I, like his I definitely had a Catherine Heigl phase in my life because I dated a girl who. What was the sh- the, the Grey's Anatomy? Grey's Anatomy. She yeah. forced me to watch that for a little. Is that show still on? Did yeah, somebody tell me like that? It's like, it's like in its twenty sixth season. Yeah. Or what something the like that? f? Yeah. How is that a thing? Um, but she got me to watch the old Grey's Anatomy, and I believe that she this. The only thing I remember about it was that. There was like a guy in the hospital, I think like that was on his deathbed and and her character started dating the guy as Mm -hmm. he was in the hospital, like on his deathbed. Um, That's all I could tell you. I don't, I remember zero other things about the time that I spent watching Grey's Anatomy with this girl that I was dating. Um, But that spawned, of course, uh, her run in uh, Knocked Up, which was tremendous, which was, but you know, it's forgotten. It, it was so good that we didn't realize we were watching a chick flick because it was so brilliantly funny that they disguised it as like a comedy for dudes when it was really nothing but a chick flick the entire time. It was remarkable. It was one of the great uh, rom-coms and human history knocked up. So I had a Katherine Heigl moment where I was like all in. I thought she was going to be a star of stars, but I don't remember this. She even may be hard slightly. to work with because I've heard that a lot, yeah. but 
I adore her acting. I think that she's like I love her movies. Anything she's in, I love. Twenty Seven Dresses, anything. I've, I I couldn't. I don't think I could tell you one other movie. Uh, the Kevin movie, was the in. movie, The Ugly Truth, is cute. I think if you accept it for what it is at face value, you wouldn't hate it. All right, we'll pick up the pace next. Number four. Okay, so the show New Girl. Oh, I love New Girl. I watch Are you that kidding me? Like yeah, I'm all every in. Every night. It's one of my favorites. Uh, cast is tremendous. Mm-hmm. I, Zoe Deschanel is so wonderfully Zoe Deschanel. Like, if you like the quirky, kind of silly Do- Zoe Deschanel character that she's eternally played in everything, this is that. The apex of that is her run in New Girl. The Christmas episode where they bring Darlene Love out to sing in the street is perfection. I mean,. I, th- everything about New Girl was was a wonderful, silly little comedy that uh, you know, was not brilliant in any stretch of the imagination, but is, uh, you know what? I think it's a perfect comfort show. Okay. It's pleasant. Yep. You can put it on in the background, whatever's mm-hmm. going on. It pleases you. It doesn't require you to think all that much. It's just sort of there to be there, and it works perfectly. Winston is, everything about Winston is a ten and a half. I mean, like, <laughs> big fan of New Girl. Okay, my next one is the show Psych. Never watched it. Oh, Never spent any time with Psych. Why, sell me on it quickly. You got 30 seconds. Um, sell me on it. The humor in it is like superior to anything. The relationship between Gus and um, Sean Spencer is like the best relationship you could have ever like watched. It's just it's just the dynamic between all the characters. Like I it's so funny. Like actually probably makes me like wheeze laughing. Mm. All right. They haven't really. Are they? Are they known for anything else? The the boys from Psych. Have they done? I don't think so. I feel like Not really. like Dule Hill was the guy's name. Yes, I'm like, yeah. I, I just mm-hmm. don't know anything else they've done. It doesn't I, matter if that's all a, they've done. He a child they're actor? legends. You might. I don't know. I couldn't I tell you anything I, about I them. I feel like he was on the Cosby Show. Really? That the, I don't. As, as a child actor, I feel like he was on the. I feel Cosby like that show. time differential is very difficult to make. We'll check it. We'll check it. Just we'll watch it. That. I swear. I swear it won't disappoint. All right, all okay, next some. is my favorite movie series of all time, which is Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. I could watch yeah, it. In, it's gonna okay, be, it's gonna be one of us. It's gonna yeah, be one well, of us. I can literally sit down and watch that will at any point of the be, day, all day, every day. Will not be for me. Okay, well, I could literally do a movie marathon. Like uh, start he, it in the morning. He was, he was, no, he did like one episode of the other, like the, the he was not on the Cosby Show. And he literally made a one episode appearance on the like Cosby reboot that they attempted on another network years later. Mm-hmm. It was on for one episode, so he wasn't. Well, he's a legend because of Psych. Uh, That's it. You say that. Uh, look, the Harry Potter thing. My my wife obviously. And I say that my wife is into it, but she's not obsessed with it. No, I'm obsessed. I'm not. I'm not even. It doesn't. I've never watched any of it. I have no ability to have an opinion about it. It might be brilliant, right? It it's is just brilliant. so not for me. I don't know what the circumstances would be. I'm stunned that I never dated a girl who like forced me to watch one to try to get me into it. Like I've been forced to watch a lot of things that I'm not into. Never, never at any point was was it something that registered with me in any way. Most of my money is spent on Harry Potter. I buy that, I bought a candle, a fifty dollar Harry Potter candle. Most of no. your money, yeah, and no. it came with a ring too. So I don't want to hear it. Get Why? Because I love it. I literally have a two hundred dollar Gryffindor robe. I love lot. I what? <laughs> a two hundred dollar robe. Seek help. It's what like does that do? What, what does that do for you? Have you ever worn one? It's I, like I've definitely okay, not. Okay, I assure you. Think of it this way: if you're a Star Wars fan and you hold a lightsaber, that's what it feels like. 
that's what it feels like. But I don't. Okay, uh, well then, a, all I'm saying is, it's amazing. Uh, I literally have every action figure uh, collectible. Give, give me number five because we got we got to get the Patrick here. My number five is ten things I hate about you. That's my number. I, that's that my number I wish I could. Hate, I wish I could hate on that. I can't. I think, I, think really a, I think it's. I think it's the. My mom grew a up perfectly uh, executed film of what it was attempting to do. My mom grew up right there in Gig Harbor, Washington. No, how about that? So we went a couple years back. We literally went to the school. My mom played at that high school, like soccer, mm-hmm. uh, in that stadium. And we snuck in the school. We got to go and see it. And then we went right by the <laughs> I, house. This, too. by the way, I have less of a problem with this than I do your $200 like <laughs> Gryffindor robe. <laughs> I have no issue at all with like, every time I go, vi- this is the thing that I do constantly. Like I was out visiting a friend in San Francisco a couple years ago. And I'm not even like obsessed with Full House. But she was like, we could go see like the houses they used for the exterior shot of Full House. And I was like, yes, we will go do that. I'm all in on that. That I am forever, I'm on board with. Um, the $200 Gryffindor rub, not so much. <laughs> I can't agree with you on that. No, 10 Things I Hate About You, was it, it was perfect. For what it was attempting to do, it, it was executed nearly iconic. flawlessly. Iconic. I, I don't know if I'm going to go that far. Iconic. I don't think I could say iconic, no, but it was iconic. nearly flawless how they executed 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, which, again, you got to be looking for that type of movie, but... If you are, they they nailed it. All right, that's Cass's top five for comfort movies and comfort shows. We do that every Tuesday as Cass hands out a top five list. Today's show brought to you by the Baltimore Police Department. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Paul in Ovilando, if the Orioles happen to finish with the worst record again this season, do they get the number one pick in 2023? I wasn't sure how this new CBA worked and if it would be retroactive with counting the previous bad seasons or if it starts from this season going forward. Thanks. Paul, and I'm saying this, I've asked that of multiple people, and the best answer I've gotten so far is we think it starts like that counter starts now. I've asked enough intelligent people that I believe that to be the answer, that the counter starts today. So, yes, that that question that you're asking about, if the Orioles have the worst record this season, as most people are projecting them to have, then, yes, they would still get the number one pick next year. This, what, what are you saying? I don't think they get the number one pick next year. I think that the draft lottery starts. I, I was, they get, but it was starts. After the two, I, it starts with 2023. Right. So this year they have the number one pick. No, no. I'm saying that it would start th- this season. Nothing goes into play for this season. Correct. This season sets next year's draft order. Mm-hmm. My understanding is all of the things that we're introducing with the new CBA start with the 2023 season. Oh, so that so the lottery doesn't start till 2024. That's my under that the first draft that would be impacted by the lottery would be the 2024. Draft. Huh, I did not hear That's that. my understanding. Now, I don't know. As I said when I started this, I don't know that. I'm not telling you I know that, but my understanding is all these things they're implementing in the new CBA are not for the 2022 season because it's too soon to do that. We will. I'm continuing to try to ask, and part of the problem is the intelligent people I've asked haven't known, but the understanding was that most of these things would come a year in. We will attempt to get more answers about that moving forward. Let's talk a little 
College sports, of course, we got a new national champion in Kansas as they defeated North Carolina, comeback fashion last night. Talk about that. A little bit more related to lacrosse. Joining us now, you follow him on Twitter, at Discourse, D1S Course. USA Lacrosse Magazine and the Washington Post. He is our buddy, Patrick Stevens, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Patrick, good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm well, Glenn, and you? I'm all right. I don't really know, you know, I, I don't know how we put the, the final touches on Kansas winning the national championship. They were a solid team from start to finish. They are a deserving national champion. Uh, they had a hell of a second half last night, and I, it was a balanced effort. I don't know what else there is to say about Kansas. Well, I think the interesting thing about Kansas is that it had five starters who had been in the program multiple years. And so you had a, you know, for all the, the talk historically over the last 15 years about one-and-done guys, and over the last couple of years about guys in the portal, uh, obviously they had Remy Martin, the Arizona State transfer, yep. Uh, but this was a team that, that was built largely on guys that had been around for at least a couple years. You know, Christian Brown was in his third year. Ochai Baji uh, and David McCormick were fourth-year guys at Kansas. Uh, and so this is a team to me that if you if you lined them up with some other uh, Final Four teams and national championship teams from 20 or 30 years ago, they, they, they kind of look similar, right? Like I mean, the the overall roster construction is is fairly similar. So you know, one of the questions I would say you could ask is: is this is this a model for the portal era? Is this a dinosaur, one of the last of its kind? Is it both? <laughs> Where right. you're just not going to be able to a, build a team like that anymore? That's a great even question. Even though you'd like to. Yep. So I think that's sort of the interesting thing. They they at this point, and obviously it'll be you you'll have to reevaluate ten or fifteen years down the road, but. They kind of sit on a on a nice edge in terms of uh, the eras in college basketball. Is this is this the last team that we're going to see like that? Probably not. There's probably going to be a Villanova type that, that does that, but I don't know if we'll see as many of them that are able to have that sort of continuity. And we're not exactly talking about just having like four senior starters here either. Right. But this is still more more continuity than you would expect to see from from a high end team. In this day and age, it's a very fair point, and I think that a lot of coaches would say, "Hey, their desire is to build a team that way." It's just, you know, it's not. You go get a talented player, they leave. There's nothing you can do about it, right? Like, yeah, I, I mean, it's just, it's just the way things are. Correct. At this point. Like I, like I said, it, it, it could very well be both of those things. Yep. What, what you'd like to do, but not what, but not something you're going to see happen very often anymore. And like you said, they were really, really good from start to finish this season. No question. Uh, they were good at both ends of the floor. They shot the three well and defended the three well. I mean, there, there's something to be said for a team that checks pretty much all of the boxes for them. And, yeah. and you know, I, I think that's maybe the thing that you'll remember most about, about that bunch is that they were just really good. And, you know, maybe a number one seed that got overlooked about as much as, as any, any of them in, in recent memory. Sure. I mean, that can probably come up with a couple. Uh, that maybe people discounted a little bit more, uh, but not, but just one that was like, oh well, they're nice, you know. Nobody had anything bad to say about them, and then you know they kind of went through the first two weeks of the tournament playing Texas Southern, Creighton, Providence, and Miami, and none of those games with those opponents, as good as some of those teams are, really moved the needle a whole lot. So Kansas just kind of you know moved from A to B to C without people really paying that much attention to them. Because you had the Coach K retirement tour, and you had St. Peter's, yep. and you had Carolina doing what it did. Uh, and at the end of the day, Kansas emerged as, as maybe not the biggest story of the tournament, but certainly a, a team that will be remembered. 
as a champion, and rightfully so. And they and they didn't have you know I, look Abaji is a star, but not the star the way that like the national media tends to pay attention to. Um, the guys that you're obsessed with because of what they're going to do in the NBA in the future, right? Like they just didn't no, have that. They, you that know, guy. like you 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 could you could obsess over Abaji in part because of that 37 point game against Texas Tech back in January, that great right. double overtime game at Allen Fieldhouse, which really was one of the best games of the season. Uh, you know, he played 46 minutes that night and just had a monster monster game with seven three pointers that night. But you're right, like. There, there isn't. You look at Kansas, and you don't think, "Gosh, there's a surefire, you know, superstar in the NBA sitting there." But you can see a lot of really good college players there, and some guys that'll probably have at least some time in the pros, and and will surely be making money somewhere for a long time to come. And there's no doubt about that. No question whatsoever about that. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask, and I'll leave this in because i got another educated guest question that I'm going to give you, Patrick, and, and I, I realize we can't possibly know the answer, right? But your educated guess as to whether or not this was a statement about what Hubert Davis can do at Carolina or if this was closer to you know, a Kevin Ollie winning a title at UConn, a Tubby Smith winning a title at Kentucky, Bill Guthridge making a Final Four as a, an eight seed once upon a time at North Carolina – is this more of a statement about what was left for him or more of a statement about what he's capable of moving forward? Well, I'm going to first off pick apart the premise a little okay. bit here because I'm not sure I would throw all of those guys that you mentioned in there at once. You know, I certainly wouldn't sit here and, and look at Tubby Smith and what he was able to accomplish at Kentucky. Um, yes, he won the title in his first year, no doubt about it. But when you when you look past those first couple years you know there were two, you know you start in 2001 sweet 16 sweet 16 elite 8 that's second fair. round yeah. elite 8 i mean he accomplished far more good, that's that's a very there, fair there's point a yes. pretty good kentucky team yes there. that's so a fair point wanna, right i don't want to dismiss him i think guthridge obviously was clearly set up as a in a caretaker role um and so i don't even know if that's quite the comparison although i i was thinking to myself at halftime last night wouldn't it just be the most awesome mic drop for Hubert Davis to win this game and said, I'm done. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. walking away too. <laughs> right. Except I won a championship. Well, yeah. it didn't work out that way. But, you know, if we're sitting here saying, is, is he Kevin Ollie? I, I, I think, first of all, uh, I think he's better, better prepared than Kevin Ollie was to be a head coach, even if Kevin Ollie did win a championship there early on. In his in his career at UConn, but I mean, he had been how long had he been an assistant at UConn? Two years yeah, before he took over. Right, yeah. So I mean, you know, Hubert Davis was there basically a decade as an assistant after his time on TV, and then obviously in the NBA. So I, I think that he you know, he had a much better. First of all, he would have had more say in actually accruing the talent that was left over. I mean, who was who was partially responsible for recruiting? R.J. Davis and Caleb Love and no Armando Baycott. Yep. And then, you know, you got to give him credit for landing Brady Manick in the, in the portal. I don't think anybody thought he was going to have the impact that he ultimately did. I think he was viewed as a solid piece and a compliment to Dawson Garcia that you go, okay, those two guys are going to split time at the four, and you've got uh, Baycott at the five, and okay, your front court's pretty well settled after Walker Kessler left. So I, I think Davis is probably skewing a little bit more towards, you know, this is somebody that can actually get this thing done. You know, I, I'm impressed by the fact that, you know, 
they were 12 and six and, and had had some pretty ugly losses early in the season. And, and while, you know, we can sit here and say, well, there wasn't a really high end win that they got until March, you know, for the most part, they handled their business against the bad teams they played, aside from that one random night against Pitt. And the other thing there is that, you know, he pushed his chips in on his top five guys, six if you want to include Puff Johnson, who played fabulously last night. Uh, and so I, I think that basically say, realizing, well, let's just ride these, these top guys until we can't go anymore was probably a pretty bright idea, and he probably had a pretty good, uh, you know, finger on the pulse of what his team was capable of. So I don't, I don't know if he'll be back in a national title game. I mean, the tournament is weird. Sure. But I, 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 certainly, I certainly have a little more faith that he'll have some more staying power uh, than a Kevin Ollie. And, and, and one thing out of Kevin Ollie's control, UConn went and, and went off and was part of a conference that had a bunch of teams that nobody wanted to watch. That's fair. You know, yeah. you know and Carolina's going to continue playing Duke and Virginia and everybody else in the ACC every season. So, you know, I think Ollie was a little undercut by the fact that, that suddenly, instead of playing Villanova and Georgetown and, and Syracuse, that, that the Huskies were playing Tulsa and East Carolina and, and uh it's a tough and, sell. Uh, yeah. Blaine. Yeah, South Florida, right. <laughs> well, they were already playing South Florida at that point, but your your point is well taken that yeah. that's not exactly a team that was going to uh, yeah. fill up the stands and stores. He is Patrick Stevens. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Patrick, I'll follow that up with another educated guest question, right? And I think you and I talked about this when we first found out about Mike Krzyzewski retiring, but now that it's over um, and they move forward, and I guess Nolan Smith is not going to be part of the program moving forward, do you have an educated guess about what Duke basketball is moving forward post-Mike Krzyzewski? Well, you know, first of all, will it be as much of a lightning rod as it's been? Probably not, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean... For so many, for so much of of the last really twenty years, uh, you could actually stretch it all the way back to to when he when Shashevsky returned uh, from his back surgery. I mean, it, you can really like use that as the dividing line. Like before that, you know, Duke basketball was Hurley and Leitner and and Grant Hill and Danny Ferry and, and Amaker and Dawkins, and and after that. Yeah, there were great players that went through, but the first thing that you always thought about was Coach K. Right. Uh, and so there's a little bit of an identity thing there uh, that's going to be interesting to see shake out. What I can tell you is that they've got three of the top five players, four of the top 13 freshmen committed for next season. So they're going to basically roll the way they have been for the last 10 years or so, at least initially anyway. And next year is going to be a very freshman-laden team you know, you do have to wonder. There's a, there's a, you know, a school of thought. Uh, my friend Joe Gilio, who works at WRAL uh, down in Raleigh, uh, has a show down there. You know, he pointed out like if Shashevsky walks off with a national title, like how much pressure is on John Shire mm. to go and and, mm. and, t- and somehow match that? You know, there's there's already going to be enough pressure on him to try to win five national championships. You can't do that in a year. That's the that's the old stuffing <laughs> ten pounds of potatoes in a five pound sack type. Right. So I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how a, a Shire is able to adjust and adapt and, and figure things out on the fly because, uh, you know, I don't think people are, are going to be very patient with him, uh, which is, you know, in some ways unfortunate, but in some ways exactly what he signed up for, knowing exactly what the, the crucible of Duke basketball is at this point. 
That's a very fair point. It's a very, very fair point. All right, one more on a hoops front is you and I don't think have talked about roster construction. Um, from a sheer, you know, we're, we're a couple weeks in, and we, we haven't heard about much in the way of movement. I know Cutis Wahab is putting his name into the portal, but even saying that he's leaving his options open and, and maybe there's a little bit of a mutual sort of conversation that's being had with him in Maryland. As far as uh, Kevin Willard's roster construction just for next year, what what still needs to happen? We know he's got – his staff is finalized, as uh, they announced today that he's uh, bringing back in his former assistant, Grant Billmeyer, is going to fill the uh, the third spot on his staff. And actually, I, I guess I can tell you guys, I can confirm that Greg Manning Jr. is going to stay with the program. Um, that won't be as an assistant, but moving back into that uh, director of ops role. Um, but what, just as far as roster is concerned, what are the priorities now for Maryland and for Kevin Willard just for putting the team on the floor next season? Well, that, that's kind of it. Like, I mean, they kind of need bodies at this point. Like, if, if you don't have a Wahab, and let's face it, I, I think we were talking about Wahab not being back as early as, what, the yeah. second week of December, yeah. right? Uh, so I don't think it would be any sort of surprise at all if, if he's not back, ultimately. They only have seven scholarship guys, so they're going to be active in the portal. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, and I think that when you look around the country, we haven't seen a lot of guys really commit to high-end programs. I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of movement so far. There's a lot of guys in, but not a lot of guys who have materialized elsewhere at this point. So, you know, for, for me, the questions are how many of Dante Scott, Hakeem Hart, Julian Reese, Ian Martinez, how many of those guys are ultimately back? Because including them, Maryland has seven scholarship players at the moment for next season. So there's six scholarships to play with. It wouldn't be shocking if they held one or two um, just close to the vest in case they needed to use them on a mid-year transfer or something like that. Uh, so you're probably looking at adding three or four guys out of the portal. Maybe you sign a freshman. So the fact that you're not seeing a lot of movement elsewhere, and some of that I'm sure is just everybody getting back from the Final Four, uh, starting to evaluate options. I think the other thing, too, is knowing that that, that end date to, to be eligible immediately is at the end of May. Right. There's maybe a little more you know, thought from a coach's perspective, like let's not rush into this and, see, and maybe see who else ultimately pops up before the end of the month. It's not like you're just scrambling because you don't know and everything's so open-ended. So uh, I, I think that's, you know, I think that's going to be a very interesting, I'd say six weeks or so. Uh, and by, by the time you get to mid-May, you should probably have a better idea as, as to exactly what the roster is going to look like in whether you want to call it year one or year zero for Kevin Willard. Uh, and I'm kind of leaning towards year one half because I think they can be okay, but probably not anything particularly special. Did you? Uh, you know, like I mean, if if all those guys say if you have if you have a core of Scott Hart, Martinez, Reese, and you pick up three solid transfers, you could be decent. You could you could go win twenty games with that. But I don't know. You're I don't think that there's a core there that's going to go make it to the Final Four or anything. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be using Iowa State this season as a bar- barometer, right? Like, I I, I, cert- I certainly would not. But I, I also think you can be better than say what Minnesota was. Fair. This year. That's that's very fair. Uh, Patrick, before we get to the game, um, it feels like right now on the lacrosse front, we're just sort of settling into Maryland still really good. Um, it, it's not looking great for much of anybody else locally. W- what are the other storylines for people that have been obsessed with basketball and not paying attention to lacrosse 
that that maybe they they kind of settle into outside of just how good Maryland appears to be. The Ivy League, I think, is is really the story of the season so far. Uh, all those teams, it seems like all those teams have acquitted themselves more than well to this point. Princeton, Yale, Penn, Cornell, Harvard is the only undefeated team left in the Ivy League play. Uh, and I think if the tournament started right now, there's a decent chance that you would see all five of those teams in the tournament. Now, I think there's going to be some cannibalization in that league, and it, that it won't be a five-team uh, contingent for a variety of reasons. But the level of play, particularly from a Princeton, which finally moved on from not moved on, but began its post-Michael Sowers era this year and has won at Georgetown. The play of Yale, which has been a uh, you know a reliable team all along and is reliable now. Uh, the play of Penn, the play of Cornell under a new coach, all those things stand out as as really one of the big subplots of the year. We mentioned Maryland; they'll play Rutgers on Sunday in the in the game of the year in the Big Ten. Yeah, uh, and that's going to be a highly entertaining game, I think. Uh, can Rutgers keep up? Um, Rutgers sort of did what it needed to do on Sunday against Johns Hopkins. Not sure they were that interested in in letting things get too out of hand uh, in terms of in terms of pace and maybe letting the Blue Jays back in it. Uh, so I'll be curious to see how they do uh, dealing with Maryland's offense because I think Rutgers' defense is pretty good. Uh, so so those those are two things that that certainly stand out. And I will say on the flip side of things, everybody talks about. Year after year after year, how how the ACC catches all these breaks and yada yada yada, and it's overrated, and the RPI loves it too much. Well, this year there's only one top ten RPI team in the ACC right now, and that's Virginia. And so you have Carolina and Duke that are that are scrambling for an at large spot. You also have um, Notre Dame and Syracuse under 500. Notre Dame just hung 22 on the Orange the other day. Uh, that was that was twelve nothing early in the second quarter, and I'm sort of hoping they would have a running clock out in South Bend. For that. So you know, can can Notre Dame get back in the mix? The thing is, is this year because of that RPI situation, instead of playing all these games in in April, where if you lose, so what? If you win, you've added a high end victory. You know, not every victory in the ACC is going to help as much as it has in the past. So. Uh, I think that's an element that's really interesting as as we get into April here and get within a month or so of uh, Selection Sunday for the lacrosse tournament. All right, sir, let's play our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB teams that this player has played for? I have made an executive decision. I'll save the rest of the five-team guys for a day that we're uh, out on a road trip or something because I just don't think anybody wants to listen to you try to figure out who Robert Fick played for during the course of his MLB career. So we stick with four-team guys. The first, a two-time All-Star and a man with quite a few kids. Give me the four teams for Melvin Mora. Melvin Mora was... Huh, well, he was definitely a Met. Most certainly. And he was an Oriole. Obviously. And the other two stops for Melvin Mora. Was he in St. Louis? No, he was not in St. Louis. He was not in St. Louis. Huh? Yeah. Spent, spent, the, these are two seasons, obviously, at the end of his career, 2010 and then 2011. It was two years at the end. Where, oh, he was in Colorado. He was in Colorado right? in 2010, absolutely. And then do you um, want to throw in a guess for the final stop? Was it was it Toronto? No, it was Arizona was the final Arizona, stop okay. for Melvin Moore. That was the last place on the list. 
for Melvin Mora. And then the other one I'll give you, um, just to make this, you know, again, a little bit easier, names that people are more familiar with. How about a guy, this guy's going to be in the Hall of Fame. This guy played in uh, for four teams, and he was a one, two, three, four, four-time All-Star. He's Adrian Beltre. Give me the four teams. The Dodgers, yes. uh, Seattle, Boston, and Texas. I didn't so know if Beltre. you would remember Boston because I did not remember Boston when I was playing the game with Adrian Beltre. But, yes, he spent 2010 with the Red Sox. Patrick, uh, anywhere that you're going to be this week? I'm uh, going to catch Loyola Navy uh, on Saturday down in Annapolis. And then uh, Maryland and Rutgers Sunday night in College Park. Very good. At Discourse, D1S Course on Twitter. That's how you follow him. Patrick Stevens, always appreciate you, my friend. We will talk to you again next Tuesday, all right? Awesome, Glenn. Take care. That's Patrick Stevens. Joins us every Tuesday here on GCR Talking College Sports. we got to wind down for the Glenn Clark radio portion of today's program. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you today by the print issue of PressBox, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox or read it all, PressBoxOnline.com. We were just talking Maryland basketball, and we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland's national title run with Gary Williams there on the cover. Go pick it up today. All right, last night Kansas defeated North Carolina 79, 72-69 to win their fourth NCAA championship, good for the sixth most all-time. It wasn't an easy road to hoe as Kansas found itself down by as many as 16 in the first half and went into the, into the half trailing by 15. The 16-point deficit is now in the record books as the largest deficit ever overcome in the NCAA championship game. Did you know that since the NCAA tournament began back in 1939, only nine teams, only nine times has the champion won by 16 points or more? Three of those instances have come since 2008. Can you name those instances? Say that one more time for me. All right, so let me reword this. Three yeah. of the three of the instances in which the champion won by 16 points or more uh-huh. have come since the end of the 2008 season. So, so starting in 2009, can you name those three instances? Uh, wasn't Baylor Gonzaga last year one of them? Yep, 86 to 70. They won by 16. Off to a good start. Um. Oh man. How about? We were literally, Rodney and I were actually talking about the blowouts last night. Because Rodney said to me, it's been a while since there was a blowout. I'm like, nah, dude, last year. Like, <laughs> you remember remember last year's title game? And it's easy to forget. Like, it was the weird, you know, Indianapolis scenario. Um, what were the other blowouts? So the one that we referenced a couple days ago were Butler. But that I don't think it was 16 points. I think it was a brutal game, but I don't think it was 16 points. It was not. Um, Was... Uh, the Villanova Michigan game was a blowout, wasn't it? Yep, Mich- in 2018, Michigan won. I, I mean, Villanova won 74 54. And I remember because I got into uh, Kyle, of course, is a huge Michigan guy. And so the next morning, I think Eunice and I were talking about how Michigan was non competitive and he wanted to fight us. <laughs> like, he was furious. That wasn't what happened. Like, Kyle, did you watch the game? They lost bro? by 20. Like, I, I love you. And I'm not trying to S on Michigan, but like, you can't create a new reality of what happened in that game. They got their asses handed to them. Um, the other one, I guess, probably based on the time frame that you gave me, was around. So, who won in two thousand nine? Who won in two thousand nine? That wasn't that wasn't the Kansas. No, because Kansas Memphis was close. Carolina, Michigan State was that a blowout? Carol, was it Michigan State or was it Michigan? Carol in in oh nine. Yeah, that was Michigan State, wasn't okay. it? 
I, I thought it said Michigan, but I must have missed the state. No, part. But, North but, Carolina, but, but, Michigan State. But you are correct. North Carolina beat them oh. 89 to 72. Okay. Uh, yeah. and then, uh, John Colson stopped for an acai bowl, and he's now showing. We were having an entire conversation about acai last night. Did you go over to the, the joint? I'm telling you, man. They do a better, it's a better job. I've maintained that my billion dollar idea for business is. Yeah, right. Well, I've, I've talked about it before. My billion dollar business idea is to create a cold stone for acai bowls. So you can mix all the toppings in more appropriately because you see, look at that acai bowl. Here, give me, give me that, give me that. Put it up. You can call it stone cold. It's a fine. This is a fine acai bowl, but all the toppings are there at the top. Do I see marshmallow in there, or is that marshmallow? It's coconut. Oh, it's no, it's bananas. There's some bananas in there for sure, but is there coconut? I put. I always like coconut in the uh, old acai bowl. That's a good play. Um, Big fan. Big. Yeah. You gotta stay to the microphone next time. By the way, nobody can hear you. Gotta, we gotta. It, and you're upset. <laughs> anyway, the moral of the story is: I think we should create the stone cold acai bowl place where you can get the toppings more mixed in to your acai bowl, so you get the perfect blend of topping and acai in every bite. <laughs> I'm Glenn Clark, and I approve this message. Acai, good. Jam, good. Beef. Good. Yes, uh, agreement on all three. <laughs> agreement on all three. Do you want the bonus question? I had a bonus question. Uh, it's eleven forty-four already. Okay. Can we save it or? Uh, it, it's just it, the 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 greatest margin of victory is thirty points in the national championship I don't game. Know. I don't no know. idea. UNLV over Duke oh, in nineteen yeah, ninety-one. You know I should have gotten that. Actually, I did know that Vegas was dominant. All right, very good. Uh, a quick reminder: uh, know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. Very important. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Let's get tubular quickly to wrap up for this portion of the program. Here's what's coming up tonight. Um, Maryland baseball plays George Mason. They've moved that game to three because there's going to be rain tonight. That's on Big Ten Network Plus. Wizards, Timberwolves at eight on NBC Sports Washington. ESPN, Bucks, Bulls at eight. NBA TV, Lakers, Suns at 1030. ESPN Plus and Hulu for Hurricane Sabres at seven. Wild Predators at eight. Champions League on CBS this afternoon. Man City, Atletico Madrid at three. MLB TV has an audio broadcast for Orioles. Jays coming up at one. Tyler Wells and Alec Manoa, the pitching matchup. Masson's got Mets Nationals in a couple minutes. MLB Network. Network Tigers, Yankees at one, Guardians, Rockies at four. The USA Network tonight for WWE NXT at eight. Non sports highlights. Uh, yeah, you have uh, Young Rock and Mr. Mayor at 8 and 8.30 on NBC. You have Amanda Seyfried, who's been excellent in the dropout. Uh, she's going to be oh, on yeah. uh, the, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon tonight. Uh, and then on HBO, Tony Hawk, Until the Wheels Fall Off at 9 o'clock. It's a documentary on his life. All right, very good. Hey, uh, join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. Thanks today to Randy Mueller. Thanks to Patrick Stevens. We'll get that up in the greatest hits section of the Archives. tab at glennclarkradio.com. I know Jeremy Fowler from ESPN is going to join us tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit more about DK Metcalf, what the actual price would be for a team trying to acquire him, and stuff. And uh, Drew Forrester, I imagine, will check in, talk some Masters stuff and things. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Costas Inn, Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, and the FanDuel Sportsbook, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line Canine, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Cass. Cass, where can people follow you on social media? Quickly. 
Instagram, Cassidy underscore Elizabeth 22, and then Twitter, Cassidy Butler. Well done. Uh, thanks to Paul at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday night. Go nobody. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. If you're with us on audio, do nothing. We'll be right back. If you're with us in video, give us one minute refresh. Simply the Bets is next. Welcome into Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. That's where I was last night for the title game. I had an awesome time. Thanks to those of you who came out and joined us for the championship. We will be back this Sunday. It'll be myself and Drew Forrester hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook with you for the final round of the Masters Sunday afternoon. I'll be getting down there around 230 I think Drew will be there around the same range, and we will be hanging out with you to watch the conclusion of the Masters, try to help you win some money with your bets, and we will have free golf to give away, which is very cool. We will be giving away free rounds of golf for those of you that are in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. You can win free golf. We had a neat story last night. There was a kid who was hanging out with us. It was his 21st birthday. He came to hang out with us in the FanDuel Sportsbook, and he actually won the autographed Adafi Owe print that we gave away from Great 8's memorabilia last night. Made his night. Made his night. What a way to celebrate your 21st birthday. But we'll be back there this Sunday for the final round of the Masters. Drew and I will be hanging out with you to uh, help you try to win some money in great giveaways, including that free golf. Let's get into it every week on Simply the Bets. Our buddy Aaron Oster from out in Vegas at VEASAN joins us to offer us his five L's, which, again, we hope are not five losses. We hope there are winners. Every now and then it doesn't go so well. Like, you know, we were both on the under in the Villanova game. It didn't work out. But we don't talk about that. We celebrate the victories. Aaron Oster, what's going on, pal? How are you? Uh, that that loss is going to haunt me for a while. Cause we, we, had, we had both read that so perfectly and then just both just shot completely out of their mind and despite the fact that it being the slowest game ever yep yep kansas did not miss did not miss very frustrating but it is what it is and we live to fight another day and we shift focus so you are not at your core you're not a golf guy but i know people that aren't golf guys like my buddy jeremy khan here in baltimore not a golf guy but he loves betting golf and he has made good money betting golf. Are you the type that particularly enjoys betting golf? 
You know, it's one of those things, especially for the majors, I will absolutely find ways to bet it. Um, I, a few weeks ago, you heard me, I started sprinkling in a little golf, some top 20, some top 10 plays, and that's what I really like to do. I might not take shots, you know, the biggest shots on the favorites, on, not the favorites, on winning, but I do like sprinkling in group props, whether it's top 20, top 10, little things like that, ways to get plus 300 money here and there, just things to keep me interested, Is through there, the, uh, especially the majors. Are there any Masters bets coming up in your 5Ls this morning? There are two Masters okay. bets in my 5Ls. And we will save that for then, and we will handle that, because I guess let's just get right into it. Um, as always, Aaron gives us a local, a long-term, a long shot, a lovable, and a loser bet for the week. We begin where you starting locally this week. Um, you know, obviously this is tricky right now to find a local play, so I'm going to give this in more hypothetical terms, or or, or principal play here. Um, I am going to be placing a bet on the Orioles game on opening day for them, which is Friday against the Rays. And this is something that I'm going to be looking at for a lot of these early games throughout the first week, maybe even two weeks, and it, it's just a principle I'm going to have. I really think the pitchers are going to be behind because of the shortened spring training. We're already seeing some injuries here and there. I think that uh, the teams are going to be really stingy with starting pitching. I don't think they're going to be going deep into games. And I think the hitters are going to be way ahead of the pitchers for the first week or two of the season. So I'm going to be looking early on here to play a lot of overs uh, in these early games. So that's going to be my favorite play. Obviously, there's no line out right now. But short of the numbers being fairly crazy, I will be playing the over in Orioles Rays on opening day. Okay. All right. So what's the, give me the number that you say like, okay, maybe not that like what's where, what is, does the number matter? And obviously the number matters if it's, you know, 11, 12, something like that. But if it's in single digits, I think I would play it. All right. All right. Very good. The over for opening day and the Orioles and the Rays. All right. Let's go long term next. Give me a futures bet you're staring at. Um, again, this is going to be a baseball play, and all of my uh, five L's this week are going to be either baseball or Masters, just because, you know, it's that time of year. I'm yep. still waiting for these more NFL draft props to pop up. I've been really expecting it, and by this time last year, there were so many more, and I'm a little worried that they got so killed last year that they're not going to be putting out as many NFL draft props, but we'll, we'll get there when, you know, hopefully this next week, now that the tournament's over, we get more. But back to uh, baseball, back to my long-term play. I'm looking at the NL Cy Young Award, and one player really jumps out to me, and that's uh, the Marlins' Sandy Alcantara. He's 16-1 to right now to win NL Cy Young, and I just found this wild stat about him last year. He had two bad outings the entire year. Take those away, he had a 2.47 ERA with 197 strikeouts and 200 innings. Now, obviously you can't just hand-wave those away. They count, but it just shows you the kind of talent he has. And for a market that's now completely wide open with DeGrom's injury, there really isn't a favorite. You could say Corbin Burns, say Max Scherzer, but he's injured as yeah, well that's already. True. Um, I really like this value at 16-1, uh, to 1, and he's the type of guy who's going to be putting up big strikeouts early. So if he has a couple good outings early, that number is going to drop quickly. So I really like going out and getting that 16-1 to 1 right now. It's interesting when you do a long-term bet, and it's also a long-shot bet. <laughs> like, that is... Oh, that, that is not my long-shot. Not I even know. close to a long-shot. Oh. No, long oh. oh, okay. How much more could you go with your long-shot bet, Aaron? Well, does 49-1 to 1 sound like a good long-shot to you? Yeah, that sounds significantly long-shot. <laughs> 
Um, so the, here's where one of my master's plays comes in. And this is a number, I understand why the number is what it is. And, and I'm going to say, right, it's Tony oh. Finau to win the Masters. Okay, all right. And Finau has not been playing well lately. I'm, I'm going to start with that by saying that he's probably on the worst stretch of his career. But it's only because of one thing, and it's a pretty big thing, admittedly. He hasn't been putting well. However, you look at his, when he's playing Augusta, he's been phenomenal at Augusta. He's played it four times, and he's finished in the top ten three of the times. If he can get that putting corrected, which again, it's one thing. It's not like he's been a complete disaster across the, the board. It's not like he's been playing horribly. He's actually been hitting the ball excellently. It's just the putting. So if he spent the time, if he can get the yips, the putt, whatever exactly it is going fixed, this number should be a lot closer to 20, 25 to 1, which is basically what it was last year for him to win the Masters. So a guy who has had a lot of success at Augusta getting 49 to 1, I like it. I'm trying to figure out, what are his odds for a top 10? Tony Finau, oh. who, as you point out, has three top 10 finishes. In his career, what are his odds for a top 10? I'm pulling him up right now. Oh, there you go. Plus 450. So this yeah, is if, if, this is not, of course, this does not qualify as a long shot in any stretch of the imagination. But if you're saying, hey, a little too rich for my blood trying to chase, but what's a nice safe bet? I actually really do like Tony Finau at plus 450 as a top 10 finisher. I think, absolutely. I think there's some value there. I like that. But, again, if you want to go bold, 49 to 1. I, I like where your head's at. I think you're just giving somebody your money, but I've done far worse things in giving people my money than that type of bet. All right, uh, Aaron Oster is with us. We're going over his five L's for the week of sports betting. All right, now we go to the um, the loser bet. Give me the bet that no way, no how, do not make this bet this week. So th- this one going to pain me to say a little bit because it goes right into my personal fandom and i'm looking at nl mvp market and i'm going to frame this by first telling you about the al mvp market in the american league the defending mvp shoyotani plus 340 and you have mike trout and vlad guerrero kind of right behind him at plus 550 that's not the case in the national league there's one player under plus 900 to win it yeah and Juan soto is plus 380 with everybody else being plus 900 or more. There's a significant gap there. And I love Juan Soto. My favorite player right a, now. He's a hell of a player. There's no question. Yeah, Unbelievable But the Nationals player. don't look like they're going to be very good this year. That's the problem right now. And I understand, look, we're in a world, the Mike Trout world, where you don't necessarily have to be a, a good, on a good team to, to win it all. But that means that Juan Soto, as great as he is, and he might be the best hitter in baseball right now, but is he going to be winning the Triple Crown? Is he going to be so much better than everybody else in the National League? When you know that the Nationals, I mean, their win total is like 71 right now. They're probably going to be flirting with 100 losses. Um, you know, he has to be that much better than everybody else. And he absolutely can be. This isn't saying, oh my God, he can't win this award. But for him to be that much better for that price, like, is there more than... Again, the implied probability of a plus uh, 380 bet is 21%. Is there a better than 21% chance that Juan Soto is going to be so far and away the best hitter that the uh, standings aren't going to come into play? I just don't think that's the case. If this is something where it drops, if this was 
let's say this was plus 500, plus 600. Mm-hmm. I might be interested in this. Mm-hmm. At plus 380, that bet just does not make sense right now. He should not be such a far-and-away favorite that he is. It's it's a well-thought-out point. Obviously, you have the problem where there's so many good players on the Dodgers, right, that, like, Betts is the most likely candidate, but is there any reason why Freddie Freeman couldn't be? Like, there's a reason why they, they have the, the, the tight Trey, odds. Trey Turner's right up there as Correct. well. Correct. Like, and it's, it's sort of they might cannibalize themselves among MVP candidates by being so good that, like, okay, who wins the most? I, I can see how it plays out this way, but I think your point is well taken, which is the, it just doesn't make sense particularly for a bad team. If one, if the Nationals were thought of as the favorites to win the NL East and you see Juan Soto as the singular best player on that team, 1,000%. Those odds make sense. But... Uh, being a bad team, yeah. I mean, not saying he won't, he won't be the MVP. It's just I think I'm with you. That's a tough bet to make. All right, and finally, the bet that you love, the one that you say whatever you got to do, walk if you must crawl to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel and make this bet right now. Well, you asked me at the start of this if there were uh, golf bets I like to make. And there is one bet in particular that has made me a lot of money over wagers over the past couple of years. And that's Xander Shoffley to perform well in a major tournament. Right now, he's minus 125 to finish uh, top 20 at the Masters. Xander's results in his last three Masters, tied for second, tied for 17th, and tied for third. And even with a shaky 2021, he's been a machine his career in majors. He has, nine, he has 18 career major appearances, nine career top 10s, 12 career top 20s. This is a play again, whether it's top 20, top 10. I've cashed so many times on this, and it's almost an automatic. He's just such a machine when it comes to majors. Um, so minus 125 to top, finish top 20. You could absolutely play a top 10 at plus 185. I think that this is just a really safe bet to make. It's not that sexy, obviously, minus 125, but it's a bet I love, and it's a bet that cashes way more often than it uh, doesn't. It actually is remarkable to me that like nobody's odds for a top 20 are anything worse than minus 220. Like that, that Top 20 betting, I get it. That minus 220 isn't a lot of fun, but still, it seems like there's some safe money involved with top 20 betting as I look at this group. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I, I really love, like, like I said, I don't necessarily uh, put a lot on uh, a winner. Sometimes I might sprinkle on a uh, player to like Tony now that I just think, yeah, you know what, this would be fun. Now, I also bet like the top 20s just in case, oh, you know, I don't want to bet on a guy to win and then have him finish third and not make any money off of it. Right. So I, I will, you know, sprinkle a little bit on the on the win and then do the top 10 or top 20 finish. I think that's the best way to play it, honestly. It's a really fun thing to do. And it's one of those things where coming down the stretch on Sunday, you're like watching the scoreboard so closely as one birdie can launch him up, you know, four or five spots. It's it's just a whole lot of fun, and it's one of the best parts about gambling golf. It's just these one, you know, one holes, one birdie, one bogey can move up and down the scoreboard so dramatically that it makes it a real blast. And, and yeah, I really do like the top twenty finish. All right, those are your five L's, Aaron Oster. What's going on with Veasan these days? Well, unfortunately, college basketball is over, and it pains me, but there's so much going on right now, and we have a nice deal to uh, cover really all of it. $19 for our spring special. We have a master's guide that just came out. You will be getting pages and pages of notes from our long shots guys who have been on fire lately. 
hitting uh, winners in tournaments just left and right, seemingly every weekend. So you have that. You get a baseball guide, which will be, I believe, coming out uh, tomorrow. That will have awards, futures, win totals, everything you could possibly want baseball. And, of course, in a few weeks, NFL draft coverage. We'll have a full guide for that, breaking down prospects, looking at basically every way you can bet uh, the NFL draft, and of course all of our normal VEASAN coverage, whether it's NBA, NHL, everything else there. So you get all the guys, you get all the VEASAN coverage, just $19, so go check that out on VEASAN.com. Excellent. All right, at the A. Oster on Twitter is how you follow him. Aaron Oster, always appreciate you, pal. Uh, best of luck this weekend. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday, all right? Hope everyone cashes tickets. That's Aaron Oster from Mountain Vegas at VEASAN checking in with us here on Simply the Bets with his five L's. When we come back in, we will shift the focus back to the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Our buddy Bruce Billick, general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook, will check in. Let us know more about what's going on this weekend. Of course, as I mentioned, I'll be there on Sunday. Drew Forrest will be there on Sunday. How do you bet the Masters? This is the first time we've had a Masters to bet legally in the state of Maryland. So how do you go about doing it? What do you need to know? We'll let Bruce Billick explain that to you next. This is Simply the Bets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy the award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings, or try our fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or our scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for daily specials every weekday, like $7.99 burgers on Mondays, $6.99 nachos on Thursdays, and Taco Tuesdays. And watch all of your favorite games at Glory Days Grill, with 25 screens and private speakers at every table, plus game day drink specials. Visit us at glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports. 
The newest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland men's basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship. As Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport. And why his perspective of the title run has changed now, two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Actually, today it's Simply the Bets, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. That's where we were that last night, and this man was there hanging out with us. He is the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. He's our buddy Leon Twyman, and he's back with us now here on Simply the Bets. Leon, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, how's it going? Everything is all right. Other, you know, it was a late night last night. But other than that, everything oh, is all right. It was definitely right. a late night. It was a good night, though. So let's talk about this. Well, first of all, the atmosphere was amazing. God, there is nothing like watching big games in a sports book where everybody has so much at stake. And all of a sudden, it went from Leon, and you can explain this probably better than at halftime, there was like silence. I was trying to work the crowd, and everybody was just beside themselves because the game was a bummer. And then by the end of the game, it was an electric factory inside the FanDuel Sportsbook last night. Oh, it was, without a doubt. Um, you know, I loved every bit of it. Like you said, at halftime, everyone was a little bummed out. Everyone was trying to jump on those uh, North Carolina lines, and then it just all changed right after that uh, right after that halftime. No doubt, right out of the shoot in the second half. All right, so can we talk openly about you? Um, you told me beforehand that um, the, the better thing for the Sportsbook – would be Carolina because the money was coming in on Kansas. So that is correct. So how did it work with Kansas winning but Carolina covering? What type of night did it ended up being for you guys? So <laughs> it was actually uh, it's actually pretty interesting that that happened because we ended up getting hit from both ends because oh, the line began the game was plus four so. So we got we got a beating from both ends of that. <laughs> oh man, you had a ton of money on both Carolina to cover and on Kansas to 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 win outright. That is correct. Oh, rough night, rough night. That's the way these things go, man. Like people got to know is. you can make money, you can win, you come, you can win. I won, for example, I won my uh, first bet of the night on uh, Abaji making the first basket, and I was. Riding high, and then I finished runners up the rest of the night. And you guys ended up being the victors. You won your. We. I went. I went to. Uh, I didn't make it the full ten rounds with you guys last night. I went about six rounds, and you knocked me out last night. <laughs> That's how things went. But we get back on the horse after that. What an atmosphere it was. All right. So now we shift. Leon, um, this is the first time uh, that in the state of Maryland we've been we've had a Masters where people could legally bet on it. So I think for a lot of people, this will be the first time they ever bet on a golf tournament, right? Like they're just casual Correct. fans. They they're not the type that's going to bet on the Genesis Open. They'll bet on the Masters because they're interested in the Masters. What should people know about how to bet on a golf tournament? Whether they're coming 
you know, down this week before the tournament starts on Thursday, or whether they're just coming down to hang out with Drew Forrester and I on Sunday in the FanDuel Sportsbook. What do you need to know about how to go about betting on a tournament like the Masters? So with the Masters, you know, you can bet on uh, the outright winner of the entire tournament, uh, which is a very popular one that everyone likes to uh, try to bet on. And what they'll do is they'll take a couple players um, and just throw money on them. And and the odds are good. I mean, we have 12 to 1 as, as the lowest odds right now. So, you know, you come in and you're you're grabbing a couple players and you're placing some money on it. You're going to end up winning some money somewhere. Um, but we also have, like, matchups. So you can bet uh, two players against one another throughout the entire tournament. And we also have round leaders. That's another popular one that I've seen um, people bet before. And then also there are finishing positions that are extremely popular. So you have top five finish, top 10, top 20, top 30, and so on. Uh, those, are, those are probably, in my opinion, the best way to go about betting this tournament. I'm like go- combing through some of the various props that are available for the Masters. This is almost like Super Bowl betting. Like you can bet on who's going to have the best finish of any of the left-handed players in the tournament. So yeah, you got top lefty, you have top senior. Yeah. Um, you know, you could bet top USA player, top European player. I mean, the list goes on. There, there's a ton of bets when it comes to the Masters. It's it's really an insane actually, and there's also like arbitrary groups that have been put together. So, um, like FanDuel has bunched this group as Group A: John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Cameron Smith, Dustin Johnson. So you can bet who has the best tournament of Group A. But then in Group C, there's Jordan Spieth, Victor Hovland, Patrick Cantlay, and Xander Shoffley. Like just this sort of arbitrary group of similar golfers. And you can take a look at that group and say, well, I really like this guy the most, so I'll bet that guy to win. And even if all four of them play poorly, but that guy happens to play the best, you end up being the winner from that group. It's wild, the props that are available. It really is. And it, it's really uh, it's really exciting when you can actually browse through that betting menu and look at those different markets and just seeing everything that we offer. And, you know, you can have a lot of fun with it. Um, he is Leon Twyman. He is the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Are there anything, is there anything special about this? I know during the tournament, like you guys had special hours. Is there anything at all that's different related to the Masters that you guys do within the FanDuel Sportsbook? As of right now, we do not have anything going on. Okay. Um, we're going to see how this uh, draws the crowd in. Hopefully, we can get some get some people into the book. I know uh, golf isn't as big as you know the Super Bowl or March Madness tournament. Um, so we'll we'll see how it goes with this tournament to see what kind of crowd it brings in. I got a funny feeling that there's going to be a nice crowd, specifically on Sunday. Like yeah, you know, yes. And obviously, it sort of depends. Like if somehow Tiger Woods plays the Masters and is like relevant come Friday. I think this weekend could be bedlam, you know, like it could oh, be. Oh yeah, without a doubt. People right. will just, just pour into there, especially right now. If you can get him at 50 to one, if he decides to play, it, it'd be insane. I, I, I do not recommend making that bet, but I certainly understand people wanting to have the action. I certainly get it right. It's what's going on. It's Tiger Woods that we're talking about. I completely sure. get wanting to make that bet. Um, so what else is going on? So there's that. I know there's a big UFC fight on Saturday night, correct? Yes, we have UFC um, this weekend. Uh, we also have 
MLB opening Thursday. So that that's going to be a big one. Orioles' first game of the season coming up on Friday as well. Um, anything for people, again, that have never bet baseball before? Because, again, all this is still new, Leon, right? Like, there are still, right. <laughs> you know, either it's a wink-wink, no, I've never bet it before, or it's very legitimate, which is this wasn't an option for me. I couldn't go to a sports book, and I'm I'm learning this now. As we get into baseball season starting, are there things that people should know about how they can bet the average baseball game? Yeah, so, you know, with baseball, you can there, – there's a wide range of uh, bets. Of course, you have the uh, – the run line, the money line, the total. Um, one of my favorite bets that I really like to, to do with baseball is zero runs when it comes to the first inning. Okay, wait a second. One so, of my favorite bets. So for any given game, you can just pick a game and there are odds available that neither team scores in the first inning. That is correct. So you can have zero runs in the first inning. You can actually do it for any inning. Um, I, I like going for the first inning. But you have um, zero you have one, and then you have more than one as well. This is fascinating. I did not know about this. Now, this is going to be fascinating to me. I will admit, <clears throat> Leon, I'm not proud of this, all right? I just want you to know that. That when I suffer a bad loss, sometimes I find myself the type to do reckless things in chasing my money back, all right? Now, <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not proud of it, but I do sometimes do that. And one particular bet that tends to help me in getting my money back is to find like a basketball game that's in the third quarter and there's like a 17-point difference and put a significantly large number of money down on the will-the-game-go-to-overtime prop. And yes, those are those are great bets, actually. <laughs> you say that, there's not a lot of money to be made. you got to put in a lot of money to make a little money in these situations. Right. <laughs> but... You do it enough, and you can get back. Let's just say you lost $100 recklessly betting on Shelby Rogers, who was up a set in a break last night against Kaya Kanepi, and then, like an idiot, dove for a ball and messed up her knee. I'm just saying hypothetically, Leon, right? Like, like hypothetically, <laughs> you do something like that. You lose 100 bucks. You want your 100 bucks back. You find, like, five of these games. You make, like, four or $500 bets on them to not go to overtime. You could maybe get your $100 back in the process. Again, not proud, but just saying something I've done, probably not the most embarrassing thing I've ever done. <laughs> I don't think that's the worst thing I've, uh, I've seen done when it comes to sports betting. Oh, you know what? That brings up a good – would you be is, – is there something that you could share – is there like the all-time worst bet that you've ever seen come in that like you had to show to everyone you were working with, can you believe that someone just made this bet? Do you have one that you filed away? Uh, <laughs> oh, man, there's so many of them. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've seen someone do a parlay that had there – was, there was an NBA team on it, and that NBA team was 25 to 1 on it and they dropped a thousand dollars on it no idea why but to me that was not the smart move and they took it live at that so they were already down in the game and added that live game to that parlay just killed that thousand dollar parlay well it's nice to have the type of money that you can make those types of decisions leon (laughs) i hope that at some point in my life i understand the feeling of being capable of making such a bet I am not in that uh, particular tax bracket at the moment. 
Um, all right, UFC Fight Saturday night. If you want to guarantee your spot for that or for the final round of the Masters on Sunday, email events at sportssocialmd.com. Again, events at sportssocialmd.com. Anything other, any other specials, any other giveaways, anything else that people should know about as we move into uh, April in the FanDuel Sportsbook? Uh, I know they're going to be working on some more promos, so hopefully uh, we know some more this week about what will be happening. Um, hopefully we'll have something for, for MLB going on. And we're working on uh, also an NFL draft event that we're going to be partnering with you guys for, and we're looking forward to that as well. Leon Twyman, uh, what a great time we had, man. Uh, it's always – dude, I, there's nothing like watching big games, big events in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, man. It was electric last night. It was an incredible atmosphere. You know I always enjoy being out there pounding cucumber soda waters uh, <laughs> at Sports and Social. Look forward to seeing you again this Sunday for the Masters. All right, my friends? All right, I'll be there. Thank Appreciate you, brother. You guys again. Leon Twyman, the assistant general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Appreciate him hopping on with us this morning. I feel like after sharing some of those stories that I just shared, I should maybe say the following. Know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Apropos of nothing. Everything all right? Everything, everything good? Cass, we, we okay? Okay, all right. Cassidy is running the board today for the first time. She's, she's a little overwhelmed, a little verklempt. A little overwhelmed. A little overwhelmed today. She took on board running. By the way, with a supervisor. Three you in, say that like Three inches helps. next to her. It really doesn't. It's still oh, nerve-wracking. you're fine. You're you messed up, fine. you messed up. It doesn't matter if he's there. Hey, um, just uh, let's go over the numbers one time uh, for the Masters. Again, this is just just looking at winners. That's it. Just looking at winning the tournament. John Rahm is your favorite at 12-1. to 1. Justin Thomas, 13-1. to 1. Cameron Smith, 15-1 to 1 with Dustin Johnson and Scotty Scheffler. Brooks Kepka is 19 to 1, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland all 19 to 1 as well. 22 to 1 is where you find Colin Morikawa and Patrick Cantlay. Xander Shoffley at 24 to 1, Will Zalatoris at 35 to 1, Sam Burns 41, Shane Lowry and Joaquin Neiman 44. That's also where you find last year's champion Hideki Matsuyama, whose uh, champion's dinner looked delicious by the way. They shared the menu for that. Oh my god. I was like, I got to see if I can't get the old invite to the champion's dinner somehow. My word. Uh the menu for the champion's dinner at the uh, Masters tonight. Appetizers of assorted sushi, sashimi, and nigiri with yakitori chicken skewers. Then a miso glazed black cod with dashi broth. A Miyazaki Wagyu A5 Wagyu beef ribeye with mixed mushrooms and vegetables and a Sancho daikon ponzu. Ooh, I don't even know what all that means. I'd be lying if I tell you I understand exactly what I'm getting, but I know it involves a Wagyu ribeye, and I will take that. And then Japanese strawberry shortcake, a fluffy sponge cake with whipped cream, and a Mao strawberries. Sign me up for that. Sounds amazing. Cass, why don't you whip that up for Friday? Why don't we recreate the champion's dinner? I'll pitch in. A f- I, I got. I got it covered. 
You would you you and this is not by the way a, a, a I'm not trying to make a joke about women in the kitchen or anything like that. Cass brought uh, food he for is, us once actually. upon a time. No, hey, don't do that. <laughs> I'll we, make uh, it. Yeah, I'll do it. I don't know if we can get the uh, I don't know if we can get the A5 Wagyu ribeye. I don't know if that's available. I think at, you could maybe overnight it from Omaha Steaks. Yeah, it might there might come <laughs> they might come with a price tag. Idaho Steaks, excuse yes, me. Yes, Idaho Amazon Steaks, Prime exactly it. right. Um, uh, let's let's wrap up through Tiger Woods. So yeah, Hideki Matsuyama forty four to one. Then at forty eight to one, Louis Ustase and Daniel Berger, Matthew Fitzpatrick, and the aforementioned Tony Female. And then the group at fifty to one: Corey Connors, Bryson DeChambeau. That feels like there's some value there, by the way. Like I'm not telling you Bryson DeChambeau is going to win the thing, but like it feels like he's got too much talent. I think to he's be been. 50 I think to he's one. coming back from an injury. I know, but I just. If he's playing, it feels yeah. like he's too talented just to be 50 to 1. He yeah. should not have the same odds as Tiger Woods. That should not be the case. Uh, Russell Hanley, and, or Russell Henley, and then, as I mentioned again, Tiger Woods at 50 to 1 to win the Masters. Those are the odds that you'll find right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Let's get a tidbit of the week to wrap it up. Paul Valley, what you got for us? All right, our friend Mattress Mac is back in the uh, betting news. There was something, by the way, that uh, was sent to us that would have been a tidbit about, like, if you had bet all the underdogs, you would have just been profitable. Like, if you yeah, bet all the underdogs yeah. on the money line in the NCAA tournament, did you do no investigation on that? So when... I don't like you to know the tidbit before well, I do I'm not. It. I mean, you didn't have, it wasn't, didn't, I don't have to need the quiz, but the information is interesting. Well, there's, like no, there's no quiz. I don't generally do a right, quiz. Right, that's what I'm tidbit, saying. But so the information is interesting to share. It is. It is. I just... I, we didn't do any follow-up on it. Well, no, because you had already seen but it. I thought the, I thought I'm not the audience. There's a, People are listening. No, but I, li- I, I, I like to that cater makes sense to for, you. That makes sense for a quiz or for what we do with Finish This. That doesn't make sense for tidbit okay. or tidbit. We, in this case. All right, well, then maybe it'll be my my tidbit oh, next week. No, I mean, at that point, we'll be a 10 days removed from the NCAA tournament. No, we eight days. Okay, fine. It's a significant difference. Great point. Very timely. <laughs> it's like a week. Very timely. All right. What are, what are, All right. So, on. Mattress Mac, he was on a bit of a cold streak. He has five bets si- that since the um, National Football Championship game. Uh, where, that he's lost nineteen point three million dollars on. Uh, he lost two million on betting a Patriots title, seven hundred thousand on betting a Titans title, six point one million on an Alabama football title, nine point five million on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl, and one million on the national champion in basketball coming out of the East Region. I'm pretty sure he always hedges his bets, though. Probably. I'm pretty sure that if we, that this guy is the guy that hedges his bets. So he put down a $3.3 million bet for Kansas to win on the money line, and he won $11.2 million. He said that he immediately regretted the bet as soon as he made it. He said, he said it was the worst bet in sports betting history. And his wife, he didn't even tell his wife about it. She found out that he made the bet. From Twitter. Okay, well, that's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. That's pretty rough. But I mean, th- there's so much money there that I don't think it matters all that much. Yeah. I think I think everything will be all right. I would like to know more about that thing. I'm really bummed we didn't do a follow up on that. I really like to know more about that. Rolling the uh, the uh, or just picking all the underdogs on the money line. I, I apologize. Like I didn't realize it was as important to you as well, it, it was is. Just inter- it was very interesting. It was an interesting thing that was brought up that we were both uh, copied on, and I want to know more details about it. Okay. 
All right. Um, thanks today to Leon Twyman from the FanDuel Sportsbook. Thanks also to our buddy Aaron Oster. And again, don't forget, we'll be there Sunday for the final round of the Masters. Look forward to seeing you in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Please come out and join us. We'll have great giveaways, free rounds of golf that will be given away during the course of the final round of the Masters. Come out and hang out with us. Drew Forrester will be there, and he actually knows what he's talking about when it comes to golf. So for once, it'll be relevant. We'll see you on Sunday in the FanDuel Sportsbook. This has been Simply the Bets. May the odds be ever in your favor.